Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, recorded here in late October. So we're in the uh, the back end of spooky season. Everyone should have their uh, Halloween costumes picked out and uh, other Halloween such things. It feels like a like a very mild spooky season, if that makes sense. How do you feel about that, Miles, who's also here? Hi, I'm also here. And yes, I mean, I've talked already about how I feel like it's been kind of a so-so year for horror. Um, yeah. I've seen one yeah, one film that's remedied that this month, but um, otherwise, yeah, it's just been kind of, you know, slim pickings, and um, I don't know if that's so contributing. Yeah, you I don't know. know. There's something about the season this year that feels a little off. I mean, you mentioned uh, costumes. Kelly and I did a big to-do about our costumes last year. This year, I don't think we've successfully landed on what we're going to do. We're, we'll probably still pass out candy, but we got to have yeah. some sort of classic thing. Maybe we'll do the invisible well, man and woman and just wrap in bandages, but then people just work. think we're mummies. That's true. I mean, I, uh, well, you guys also have the couples thing, which at least for a little bit is still going to be fun. I imagine at a certain point, it'll be more of a hassle to do the, the couple's outfit, but for the first couple of years, I feel like you got it, right? Oh, we, we have a long list of various, like, costume ideas we have. I feel like nice. that's going to go for a minute. I mean, I, I not last year, but uh, two years ago, I, uh, my ex and I did Ghostbusters, because that was, like, an easy... Like, I, I don't know, I'm, I tend to be lazy with my costumes, just because unless you're going to a thing, I want to be comfortable. Like, what's sure. the fun of, you know, having just a pain in the ass thing on. So like I, I did the, I was cliff booth. You remember that, which was okay. Yeah. And then, um, we were just ghostbusters and the dog got to be a ghostbuster too. And that was cool. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything this year, but if I do, um, Apple sent me the Ted Lasso whistle. Oh, there and I you have go. some like AFC Richmond crap. So I can do that. Or I have the, I am Knuff uh, hoodie sweatshirt thing. So, I can I can finally become Ryan Gosling. Those are probably my two options. There you go. Um, Have you done the uh, drive jacket before? No, I wanted to, but I wanted to do it for real. Sure. You know, like and and there wasn't uh, there wasn't a real cost efficient way. It's not like it's a go to the Halloween store and they have drive. I mean, um, they might these days. Maybe, or I'm sure there is a version online you could find. But I think at the time when I first wanted to do it, sure, might have been prohibitively expensive for the 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 jacket because everything else is pretty easy just like um when i did cliff i wanted a belt buckle and they had the belt buckle but it was like 70 dollars. sure and i was like fuck that also i will wear it once also i don't know that i want to make this my every year costume hey i'm the guy who may have killed his wife like yeah as a one-off it's fun but too many times you not, repeat not it people so start to ask questions Exactly. Also, I'm maybe not quite Brad Pitt, even though I apparently I'm Ryan Gosling. Whatever. Lost in the in the shuffle of it all. But yeah, so we're going to talk some more of uh, Spooky Season. We've both seen some horror stuff. Um, I will have by next week when we wrap up Spooky Season, um, have seen Five Nights at Freddy's. Not like super optimistic about that one, but we'll see. And uh, probably a couple other things. I, I 
they're they're all just sort of in the in the ether, you know, just like access to the small scale stuff. Because like you were saying, there isn't there wasn't really a big centerpiece release. Taylor Swift kind of knocked that up for everyone, and there wasn't really a backup plan. Like I I don't. Well, I, I don't think know we've talked about was... before. I think the plan was for Saw and Exorcist to kind of carry through the month, which yeah. my understanding is they both have done fine. Um, but uh, and then leave room for Five Nights at Freddy's, which I think yeah. will do well, but maybe not necessarily PG. as well as they're hoping. I think it's gonna do fine because of the PG thirteen thing, but also it's well, and be it's on it's a massive franchise as well. There there are fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I mean I've heard nothing. Um, you heard negative, I think, right? I've, I've, the only takes I've heard so far have been negative, but not like official critic word necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I, my screening would have been while we were recording or a little earlier to that. So I, I also, I don't know when it's on Peacock in a day and a half, did I really need to like mess with our schedules to go and do that when we could be doing other stuff? It just didn't seem essential. Sure. Not that, which like, I don't have a problem with the day and date thing. I think, listen, the, when Halloween sequels did it, they did not suffer financially in the slightest. So it, no, there's an argument for it. Clearly, it clearly, like you said, it's not hurting. The fact that those Halloween sequels were financially successful, considering all the weird shit they were doing. (laughs) That is the, that is the thing. The fact that especially the last one was wildly successful for like, a horror movie for a friend, like did money right with a with a a, lead, a woman lead, a female lead, an older woman as the lead, like all those things it did right that are yeah. that are just good for the industry. Neither, and then you look at the movie. Well, yeah, just but, neither Corey nor Peacock got in its way. Yeah, when you re- when you realize like it is kind of the Corey origin story, you're like, wait, that that I love an origin story movie. for a character we'll never see again. <laughs> I, I think we even discussed that at the time, but how many people do you think were confused if they were actually at Halloween watching the opening, like, 20 minutes of that movie? I mean, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, you also bought a ticket. You're like, is there another, like, David Gordon Green movie out this I mean, week? I had like, read a review or two that, like, told me that, like, there was another character that was the main focus, so I kind of went in expecting it. But if I had, I'd been absolutely. Yeah, no, my, I had, I had, um been hanging out with mike ryan a, a colleague of mine i think we were watching baseball maybe or something like that but he was he had seen it early to interview david gordon green he'd gone to the you know the earliest screenings before you say you're seeing it and he was like i was like how is it he's like it's weird i was like what do you mean he's like he i think he liked it but he's like he said something that puzzled me he's like michael's got a buddy I'm like, huh <laughs> i mean that's he's not like, an see. inaccurate summary <laughs> yeah i was like he's like michael's not really the man if you're going to see it because you want to see like the 90 minute showdown between Lori and Michael. I got something to tell you. You will see some so, of those minutes. <laughs> yeah. You will see a mostly satisfying Lori Michael fight. I don't but, think there's anything remotely satisfying, but go ahead. Yeah. It's fine. It was exactly what you expect from a stuntman and a woman who can only do so much. Like, nothing against her, but like. Well, you I think my it. concern is less the choreography, more like the tacked on nature of it after 90 minutes of a different movie. That's also fair. I feel like the, the movie play... was not about the build up to that fight in no. any way, shape, or form. A, another another version of that movie while still doing the Corey shit, because like he was way into it, so whatever. There probably should have been a first fight in the first half. 
or su- or you know, any I- kind of antagonism or remaining relation. They like they kind of shot themselves in the foot by being like, oh, they're not siblings anymore. They don't have a relationship anymore. It's like, okay, so what do we have? And she's happy. And she's happy. That was the other. Well, because like she's a, more uh, like, happy after her daughter dies than any than after like you know a few friends died thirty years ago. It's so weird. They they really use the the time jump to reset a lot. Yeah, which, which I think the time fine. jump was a mistake. I think killing off Judy Greer was a mistake. But we could go on and on about that trilogy. I mean, I yeah, that we will always be talking. Listen. Kind of its success is that we always will talk about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, true. I mean, you can say the same for the zombie movies, which I also hate. I hate more than those. Yeah, you're, 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 they both have something to say, right? They're both doing a thing, certainly. Yeah. And listen, and and we are, we we did a whole episode basically on, on telling Ari Aster, like, we hate the thing you did, but kudos for doing a thing. Sure. So it's, I'd rather honestly have that and sometimes really like them, sometimes not. Because there are other franchises that I just have no opinion on. That's fair. And it's. That said, like, I will never see his Exorcist movie. Well, you don't like Exorcist, the Exorcist to begin with, really, as a. No, but I wouldn't be probably seeing any, unless it was like a franchise I really loved. If I'm. Sure. I'm not seeing it. What if off he doesn't the direct the him. sequel? I, don't, I mean, I. I still have to see his film to understand it. I don't know. There's just not a scenario where I would care. That's fair. Well, what I was thinking was like, for example, the Final Destination movies, right? Which I am excited I no opinion about the on new one. There is this year. Uh, not uh, not this year, but I think next year there's uh, there's one already ready. To, it's either ready to go or it's in the works. Sequel reboot? What are they up to there? Um, I think it's just like six, but it's going to be like a soft reboot probably, just because it's been a while. But Anyone like they're not, it? but they're not really like tied to any continuity. No, uh, no casting yet, but they do have directors who apparently. Um, I, I don't think they've done anything interesting, but they apparently got the gig because they like faked a Final Destination style death over the Zoom meeting to pitch it. Okay, something there. But I was just thinking of that. I was like, they're all fine. Well, there, there's five of them, all right? One, yeah, two, three. I, th- I think. Two to three of them are like super solid, and then two of them are like whatever. There's a 3D one, right? Yeah, three and four are the whatever ones. Yeah. One, two, three, the final destination, right? Uh, yeah, is the fourth one, and then final destination five. So four is the only one where they really strayed from the naming convention. Yeah. And they're another thing where they've got a ton of mileage out of. Uh, death stalks you, there's no plot, and it wins at the end every time. <laughs> yep, exactly. I just think they need to get an, another one or two done while we've still got uh, Tony Todd to work with. Oh, yeah, he is the one, like... He's the one through line, thread. and, like, I'm just saying, even if he's only in one scene, all the good ones have him in it, and all the bad ones don't have him in it. So make of that what you will. That is that is a, that is a fair point. Um... We're going to do your movies in a second. I just want to get quickly out of the way one that I did that was horror because I don't have a ton to say about it. Okay. I saw Suitable Flesh, which I believe was on your initial like hopeful list for the month, right? Or was yeah, it, it was on the short list, but uh, it's not going to be out near us before the month is over. So we have to Fair. switch it it's, out. Yeah, it's fine. I think you would uh, you would have enjoyed it. It's... I think I described it to you, and I've seen it in several reviews. It's like 
a movie that like fell out of a black hole from the early 1980s. Like it's written by the guy who wrote Reanimator. Right. And it's directed by Joe Lynch, who did, I think, um, a couple of the direct to DVD like horror sequels that were better than expected. I think he did like Wrong Turn 2 or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. Which I think I remember there was at the time a little bit of buzz over because somebody saw a clip or a trailer and like, wow, this is like practical gore. And like he took the couple of hours they gave him and just made like all on the on the like gore effects. And like, all right, that's probably a really cool way to do that. Um, So I think he's been Joe Lynch has sort of been seen as a uh, give him the right project. And maybe he's the new a a new horror guy. Sure. And I don't know if this does it, but it's definitely a vision executed. Um. Very psychosexual, kind of campy. Uh, there's like body horror, not body horror, but like body swap element to it. It's it's doing a thing. It's not boring. I can definitely see people who don't know what it's like. I don't even know if it's homaging so much as like referencing in like tone more so than than actual events being puzzled. Like, is this like bad? But if you know what it's what it's given blowing a kiss to, you 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 kind of get it. Sure. So, I don't know that you missed out on anything, but I think it would have been in the in the good pile as opposed to the map pile for you. Okay. Well, I mean, slight spoiler. Um, we haven't gotten to it yet, but we are seeing from Beyond later this month, which is also from the same writer and yeah. also features Barbara Crampton. So we'll <laughs> I think we'll uh, we'll scratch that particular itch regardless. Oh yeah, solid solid cast here. She's in she's in it. Uh, Heather Graham gets a rare like central role. Um, I I liked uh, Judah. I think it's Judah Lewis was in Demolition. He was the kid. I actually think I interviewed him at the time. He was fine, and he's very creepy in this. Bruce Davison is in it. Nice nice little cast of of sort of a hodgepodge of actors, but they come together well. Right on, right on. Yeah. So what did uh, what did you see since we last left you? And then we'll get into the uh, slightly more award seasony uh, stuff we've done. Yes. Before we get into the classiest of films, we must talk about the trashiest of films. Kind of. And we'll you know what? We'll 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 work our way up because I'll spoil alert. Uh, talk about uh, pain hustlers after the horror stuff. Oh, there you go. Oh. All right, so I think as we left off, um, I had decided um, we were going to call it quits on uh, Benson and Moorhead after The Endless. Um, yes. If we do 30 Days of Sci-Fi next mu- next year, uh, then uh, we'll probably circle back around to Synchronic and Something in the Dirt. But um, just for what we were feeling, that felt like a good stopping point. Um, sure. So um, we decided to sort of do a vibe check and sort of do a scan for anything that maybe wasn't necessarily out or that we didn't think of when we were putting together our initial list Hmm. um and we decided to catch up on some dario argento blind spots so and there's uh, probably plenty uh well i mean we've hit a lot of his big ones but um, okay um so like you know we've done uh bird with the crystal plumage we've done deep red obviously suspiria um I haven't seen any of the more recent stuff, which is mostly awful from my understanding. I was about to say, it's it's like uh, in the same way that like you'll never see all the Takashi Miike stuff. Right. But there's plenty of stuff you're like, I, I could probably be okay. I don't think I have these. to see Dracula 3D. <laughs> I mean, have to is a strong word, but I think the name alone 
it really is a fit for the theme. I, I remember reading even at the time how it's like it's not even like fun bad. It's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, Which maybe next year. Um, but we did see some of his more well-regarded classics. So we started with uh, Tenebrae, which at the time was sort of a return to Giallo films after taking a more cerebral br- break. Um, hmm. And... Um, it's good. It's fun. It's not quite as weird and fun as some of his better Giallo films, but it's definitely like doing a lot of the same thing and uh, playing with a lot of the same notes. Um, mm. It's not the score is not quite Goblin. It's three out of the four members of Goblin, um, so they can't quite call themselves that. But it's probably one of the better scores I've heard this month. Um, just like a real banger like it's out of everything it's the one that I'm still jamming to like more so than I'm remembering anything from the film itself Um, Mm. yes totally solid it's it's hitting all those expected beats but it's kind of missing that like extra weird edgy perverse kind of element that you see in his best stuff yeah Um, he's not he's not on on full blast have you ever seen it's not him, but the movie called Giallo. It's got Adrian Brody in it. No, I was I was looking it up because I I had misremembered that he directed that, but he didn't. It's just more done in that style. Yeah, it's more just somebody wanted to make a Giallo film. Went, you know what? Fuck it, call it Giallo. Yeah, well, I remember it being fine. Yeah, I remember it, it was one of those things where I never saw it, but it did get me to look into a lot of those films at the time. I wonder if that's what the filmmaker intended i obviously they intended you to see their movie and pay them but uh (laughs) i wonder if the hope was was also like go look at the stuff i love or if it was just a gig you want to believe the former because if it was a gig what a strange gig very much so well yeah this day and age like who don't care who's funding that gig besides the person who wants it to exist in the first place well yeah i think i think specific horror does tend to need a a passionate um shepherd for lack of a better word sure i mean horror in general works best with somebody who gives a shit otherwise you get i think you saw that with a lot of the like pg-13 remakes of horror movies unfortunately yeah things like that just like oh this is a gig and then sometimes you get a better one like was it the remake of the crazies was really good yeah and that was uh, rick eisner yeah i maintain that um Marcus Nispel, despite like kind of being the face of like the bad Michael Bay Platinum Dune sure. remakes, like kind of did the two best ones. I mean, um, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's gotten a little reevaluation this month. I've noticed. Yeah, no, I think it's totally solid, and, and I think his version of Friday Thirteenth is honestly better than the original. Um, different. It's kind of it's kind well, of like for, it's more of a Jason movie. The original is just yeah. like the most generic slasher movie you've ever seen until no, the he, last ten minutes, which are just summed up in the next movie. Yeah, the remake is essentially the bits you think you you know are in the first movie, but they're pulled from the first three. I think. Yeah, very much so. Because you got one is not Jason, two is Jason with the bag, right? Three is Jason in the hockey mask. Yes. So. They speed through the bag. I think there's one kill where he's got a bag on his head. Well, and the first doing the thing and the first four always kind of worked as their own sort of like self-contained little continuity before things started getting super weird. Yeah, when he's he's got a parasite or something. So in broad strokes, because I think some of the kills from memory are kind of references to some stuff in four. So I think it's just kind of, yeah, broad remake of the that first quartet. But anyway, I didn't watch that movie or any of those movies. You've already seen them. So back to Argento. 
Um, but yeah, Tenebrae, good, not amazing. Um, does have a solid sort of twist at the end. Um, okay. Definitely worth seeing for anyone who's sort of trying to go through Argento's good stuff. Um, that said, I would more highly recommend the one we watch next, which was Opera. I think I know that one more. The name is familiar. It's um, it's one of those ones where even if you haven't seen it, you've probably seen something that's been inspired by it. It's probably. got a lot of very striking uh, and sort of distinctive visuals. Uh, this one for me, speaking of sort of scratching an itch, this one very much had that sort of Dargento e- or Argento edge that I found was missing from Tenebrae. Um, mm-hmm. This one is, yeah, it's very weird, very out there, very intriguing, some really sort of ambitious camera work. Um, they have an incredible uh, real sort of opera house that they film in. And there's one, um, this sort of roving camera shot that's meant to be from the perspective of a crow that's sort of circling around, like going over the heads of audience members and stuff. And it's just for mm-hmm. the space it's re- and for the time, it's really pretty incredible. Nice. Um, and budget level, probably. Well, exactly. Uh, especially when you look at like how the shots are usually executed in these things. But every now and then he executes a really cool shot. There is there is uh, a really cool one in Tenebrae where it's sort of like is going around the outside of an apartment building and it's going from like one window to another and it's all really well choreographed. Mm. Um, so he, he does a lot of that. My understanding yeah. is that opera is considered mainly his last sort of great film. Um, mm. And if that is the case, it is a really good note in that regard to go out on. I do think I've seen his episode of Masters of Horror that he did years later, and I remember it mm. being pretty whatever. Um, right. But what, yeah. Um, well, let's bring back a thing we haven't done in a while. Since, especially, I was going to do it anyway, but once you said Masters of Horror, what's your Mount Kilmore Horror Masters? Horror Masters? Oh, in terms of the. Oh god! Does, does does our general make it? Does our general make it? I don't know if he does. Because I think I've, I've I think I've seen at this point I've seen all of like his biggest hits. I, I, there's a yeah. handful like Cat and Nine Tails and like uh, Phenomena, which we nearly saw this month, but uh, we'll probably circle around to next year. Um, but I think I've seen a lot of the greatest hits, and I think he's in the conversation, certainly, but I think that's a matter of taste. I don't think you can have a definitive one, just because so much of it, like, so many of the greats, like, it's a matter of, do you like their bad stuff? You know what I mean? Sure. I would even even argue a name that we probably would both be okay with being on there has also done other genre of work, and would probably deny the honor, John Carpenter. Right, he just did a thing like yesterday or something where he's like, I'm not a master of anything. Leave me alone. I want to play video games and watch basketball. Man, hashtag goals. Um, yeah, like it, it, he's just being cooler and cooler when you're like, wait. Because <laughs> he's because he'll do like the Halloween shit. He's like, they pay me and they put my name and stuff. Yeah. And I get to play more video games and smoke I, more and I weed. I open my hand and a check falls in. It's great. Yeah, I think he's even said it. He's like, this is fantastic. Like I worked like a dog for a while. Now I wake up. I think he even said, like, I don't want to keep doing that. It means like, I wake up and work in the morning. Yeah. Well, he's, he, the only reason I think he did the uh, Suburban Scream series is because he could direct it remotely. Yeah, he was like, I can do this from home? He, It's kind of like playing a video game? I'm in. Exactly. He, mu- he might have been playing a game during it, for all we know. All that to say, he was the first name I thought of. So, yes, I think he would uh, definitely be on there. Um, the only thing about him is there's other stuff that's not horror. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that doesn't matter. I still think he has enough, like, 
absolutely definitive like horror sure. classics under his belt that even the other stuff aside he would never not be in the conversation i think you have to tag team him with west craven as well west craven i think yeah has done enough classics that it would be weird if he wasn't on there he um, also has the perfect name for it i would have well carpenter too um yeah. i would i would say i wouldn't put him on here but i would do maybe an asterisk um for um like an alfred hitchcock um yeah and like a stanley kubrick directors who like like there's like sort of an offshoot of this where it's like directors who have made horror classics but sure. horror was never primarily their thing well, for example, uh, Takashi Miike, right? We both would put yeah, um, I w- I would Audition. Nec- I would put Audition as one of the all-time horror greats, but I don't necessarily think he's... No. He's not, he also, he's not primarily a horror filmmaker because you can't tie the man down. Even Audition exactly. like straddles genre lines. He can't... He Audition, uh, Audition is the only one I think I would go as, like, amazing. Everything else is straddling genres, straddling quality. Like, he doesn't fit in any one box. Yeah, so so he's one of those like honorary mention types as well. I like I'm, would, I'm filling uh, out the honorary mention list before the main list. Exactly. Well, I mean, there's a there's a name that I was thinking of, but I know you wouldn't like. But is it important? Like a Todd Browning. Um, Just influential. I, well, you, you know what though? If you're gonna do someone from that era, I would rather do like a James Whale. Uh, you know what? I can get on board with that. That's fine. They 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 both. I think one of them would be would be uh, very apt for this this kind of sure yeah if you want to if you want someone from that era then i think yeah um yeah. either that because or also maybe his stuff well, i was gonna say either that or like an fw Murat now or someone like that maybe i think i think the with browning and whale there the thing that separates whale is the movie you think they made is the movie they made right whereas how many people go back to watch Dracula and be like, this is a lot of Dracula in a room talking about being Dracula? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, talked about it when I saw it, I think, on the very first 31 Days of Halloween. I think that movie's boring as sin. Uh, whereas it's, both Frankensteins, especially the second one, I think are an absolute gas. And, yeah, no, uh, they, there's there's more fun. Like the, the fir- original Dracula, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's worth watching as a historical record. And it's well made. But yes, it is a talky affair. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm trying to think for that fourth slot. I mean, there's people like Toby modern. Hooper. Gotta go modern, I think. Go modern. Okay, then I'll throw out uh, James Wan. I think he's done enough classics that he's he I deserves thought a of him. I mean, I think uh, the other name. He's done three would... different scrappy indie movies that have become massive franchises. Sure. That's not for nothing. And Malignant. Um, Malignant is for life, yeah. bro. I mean, I'd be okay with him. I think other people would say Ari Aster. I don't think we can go that Ari far. Ari Aster's too new. I th- I like two out of three of his movies a lot. I love Hereditary, but um, not yet. You know, In, what, in a weird uh, way, like even as big as his individual films are, he's still too new. Sure. I'll accept James, uh, James Wan. I will say we, we probably should add to the honorable mentions mm. uh, George Romero. Absolutely. If not put him on the list. I would put him on the short list in the same area that I put like Toby Hooper, where like they've both yeah. done some of the all time greats. But if you get into the weeds of their filmography, there's a lot of crap, too. Sure. I mean, I think he, you know, 
his heart was always in of the dead movies. And it was just kind of to get back to that. Yeah, but I think if you um, look at the bulk of his IMDb page, it's not the of the dead movies. <laughs> there are other good ones in there, but less the, than more. No, I, I think I mean the the two best are you know night and dawn. Yeah, I will go to the bed for for the um the found footage one. Was it Diary of the Dead? fourth one uh, i don't no, like that one. one i don't hate land of the dead actually i think that one's like of, kind of dumb fun land of the dead is dumb fun day of the dead is fine right totally fine just it had the misfortune solid but not dawn. as good as the first two yeah land of the dead is trying to be dawn and that's its main failing yeah but just watched as a movie is it like fucking dennis hopper is a hoot in that movie yeah john leguizamo uh, yeah no it's it's a lot of fun. yeah diary is trying to do night of the living dead again it's very serious he's trying to do the uh the found footage thing i think he does found footage better than some of the other movies did Mm -hmm. but it's i would have probably rather it not been a found footage movie sure and just been like a modern like gritty like on the ground like if he just done like a shake like shaky cam like if that movie had been 10 years earlier yeah i think it would have been highly regarded and then the last one it, it wasn't even the name didn't even fit i forget what it was the barn of oh it was dead. just a uh, survival of the dead i think like yeah, something very sucked. generic and it sucked like doesn't it take place on like a farm i i never saw it apparently we're it getting a festival of the dead from the suska sisters which is like a kind of meant to be a direct sequel to night of the living dead yeah, so yeah. we'll see which you know give it a shot like i like, like we've talked i think we talked about that once the idea of like they're, they're getting a shot. I don't remember why we talked about it. But we did talk about that once. Yeah. I mean, I uh, like recently-ish. that. And I like a lot of their stuff. Yeah. Why not? Um, oh, yeah. So, there, so there's our Mount Kilmore. I thought that was a fun thing to do for spooky season. Back to uh, 31 days. Yes. Back to 31 days. So we are on uh, day 22. So um, our local um, Flix brew house, which is basically our budget equivalent of uh, Alamo Draft House. Um, was doing a, uh, has been doing a few sort of classic screenings. Um, we did a Sunday brunch screening of The Craft, which I've never seen before. Guessing Kelly likes that one. Uh, it's one of her all time favorites and, um, it's, uh, one of the few, uh, on the month, but every, every month year we try and get at least one or two where she's showing it to me as opposed to me showing it to her. Yeah. And Um, it's closer to this sort of thing. Exactly. Um, I had an absolute blast with it. I loved it. It's. I think it's on the high end of what we've watched this month, honestly. Interesting. Uh, I remember thinking it was fine, but I also didn't watch it with an enthusiastic, like, you know, um, introduction, for lack of a better word. Like, I think, I think someone loving it and showing it to you is probably the right way to watch that movie. I mean, that definitely helps, no doubt about it. But I do think it also just, like, has a lot of merits that really work. I think the core quartet of uh, actresses are really strong i mean feruza balk is kind of like iconic in this performance you can see why she kind of got pigeonholed in every other role since um which is a damn shame because she is so good but it is um it's one of those things um neve campbell the same year as scream and screed alderich as well which is wild well, they were they were kind of going to be in everything for a hot second. Sure, totally. But f- for them to both have such prominent roles in two major horror films the same year, I mean, that's a that's a Jenna Ortega level of sort of like, oh, you're really catching on. Um, yeah, which yeah, let's make some know, money off this. W- one of them has maybe capitalized on more successfully than the other. I mean, Skeet's still in screen movies. Well. <laughs> 
Neve was too up to a point. Well, she was like, I want to get paid. Um, she actually well, and good not, for her. Exactly, there was clear. nothing wrong with that. They gave her like they wrote her. They didn't write her out in like a shitty way. They gave her like she's safe. Like okay, cool. Well, which means oh, is she not? It's, you mean she's allowed to just live her life and not have yes. like a guy like track her down and rope her in from a different city? <laughs> Though I'm sure as soon as uh, they pay enough in the new one, she'll be back. Like. I, did they say who's writing this new one yet, or just that Michael Landon's directing it? Uh, Christopher Landon. I don't know if he's also Christopher writing Landon. it or not. Oh my god, Michael Landon making it would be even funnier. Uh, Little House on the Prairie. No, because um, Hope Springs Eternal and uh, Michael Kennedy writing it. But Oh, that'd be great. Like, if you got the job, I mean, you're a bad example because you don't care about the franchise, but you know what I mean. Like, you would have to write a version where she's in it in the hopes that they can get her, right? Why would you not? Well, it's an Alien 3 situation where you probably have two scripts at all times and there's like a, well, because like I wouldn't be, and I didn't see the sixth one or any of yeah. the recent ones, but um, I have to imagine that either the Hayden Panettiere character or some other character in six was probably a reworked version of what Nev Campbell's role could have been. Mm, I don't know. Maybe not her I, specifically, but I wouldn't be surprised if like whatever role they had in mind for her aspects of that role were given to other characters in some capacity that's possible it also could have been a very small role which is part of the reason why she was like i'm not doing this anymore well totally um they were they were moving away from them and sort of giving them the legacy kind of stuff anyway uh but i mean i've i've told you a story that you can't repeat here about uh multiple scripts for a high profile project based on whether someone says yes or no it's not uncommon and it's uh you know when you're at the whims of a, of a performer, sometimes you're like, well, I don't know. It's not like, well, we're writing the new Mission Impossible. I hope Tom says yes. It's, you know, you kind of have to be prepared. Though I guess they they almost tried that. <laughs> Remember when uh, Jeremy Renner was going to take over? Well, yeah, that brief moment where Jeremy Renner was going to take over every franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, had Matt Damon not been in a couple of movies that don't make money, he might still have. I feel like they just missed a trick. He should have been Jack Ryan. He would have. He would still be Jack Ryan if that was the one they gave him. Yeah, or he could be Jack Reacher. Just try another Tom Cruise one. <laughs> nah, the current guy's Aven- too big. They can't go back to a little guy. Which is funny because I think Jack Re- Oh, yeah, Jack Reacher is big. I think that was the other thing. Like, yeah. like, I thought the first Jack Reacher was fine, and the second one was kind of whatever. But everyone did be like... Everyone was kind of caught up in like... Anyone who read the book went... Jack Reacher's like a big hulking dude. <laughs> like, and, and Tom Cruise kicks a lot of ass, but big and hulking are not words we describe him with. Not necessarily, no. No. So the craft, big surprise. Yep, big surprise, very pleasant surprise, very enjoyable. Uh, would make a very good companion piece with the Lost Boys. Interesting. Um, sort of cut from the same cloth, but, you know, re- representing different eras of the 80s and 90s, respectively. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, I like I like the variety. Um, so then going into something that actually did pair quite well with the craft um, and that we were inspired to watch um, because his new film is right around the corner um, is uh, Tragedy Girls, the director of which just did uh, It's a Wonderful Knife. Oh, I've seen that. We talked about that last week. There you go. Uh, Tragedy Girls is great. It's a lot of fun. Um, when is this from? Is it new or is it from a couple years ago? It's uh, 2017. Okay, so it's it's uh, the movie that essentially got him this. Gotcha. Yes, very much or so. Or got him on the radar. Yeah. Um, interview with Michael Kennedy coming very soon. 
Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. It's it's a hell of a calling card. It's uh, it's one of those where like it's playing with various horror and slasher conventions, but yeah. from the very first scene, immediately sort of signals that like it's not necessarily going to play by any expected rules of that kind of thing. And you kind of know where it's going and what the structure of it is in terms of it being like you know the relationship between these two friends and sort of the lengths to which they go and the things that get between them um got a killer supporting cast people like jack quaid josh hutcherson craig robinson uh a lot of them in like very minor roles um yeah it's a good sign it's a lot of fun alexandra ship is uh one of the two main girls and she's like i like her been recently kind of popping off and things she's like i mean i've liked her in everything i've seen her in i think she maybe has the best line in barbie um yeah uh, or at least up there um but this one in particular like i think like in a couple years she could be getting all the roles that like are being offered to zendaya by default right now maybe like or not maybe not that specifically but she has a real movie star quality about her that i think is is gonna start paying dividends sooner than later and she works which i like i i she was in um what was the i told you about that movie i saw it Tribeca was it like a Nick Jonas movie or something? It's the one that I was like, "Hey, it's about a movie where a guy's mom dies and he's a writer and he has to come home for the funeral." Remember oh, that? Remember sure, vaguely sure, that sure. she's like the love interest, and she's written in that sort of like, "I'm gonna make your life better" way that some people rub up against, but she's so good at it that you're just like, "I want to watch them banter." Why wouldn't I? Well, and there you go. And, you know, she was fine as the most recent version of Storm in movies that wouldn't have given that character anything to do anyway. Yeah, that was, that was you know, there was nothing to be done there. I yeah. don't think you, I don't think anyone in those, especially those last couple ones, gets a, a pass no. fail. You just kind of get like, you were there. Same with um, New Mutants. Like, yeah. Did you ever see New Mutants? It was well enough cast. I think I did. I think I watched it on, it was on Hulu, right? I don't remember where it ended up, but it could be. Yeah, I think it's on Disney saw, Plus now. Or Disney Plus. I don't remember. I think I watched part of it because I like Josh Boone. And I think I remember being like, it's not as bad as everyone says, but it's like not good. It's it's reputation makes you wish it was worse, but it is. I think it's honestly like like maybe one or two like editing passes away from being a totally solid film. Yeah, I think I think watching it. None of the issues are the filmmaking. Yeah. It's the a million cuts that it went through, many of which I'm sure Josh Boone was no longer involved in. Yeah. Like, wasn't there so. like a CGI character added or removed? I forget which one it was. Well, and John Hamm was going to be in it as Mr. Sinister at one point. Like, yeah, it went through a million different versions. Well, the air was- thing was like that would change a million times, right? I think it was just yeah. like so many different things happened and, and the final decisions were just like, well, they and also it was versions. tied into like three different versions of the Fox X-Men universe, all of which were yeah. like constantly changing and none of which eventually paid off. And as soon as Disney had it, they're like, we don't want this, whether it's good or bad. We just we don't want this. Yeah. Which probably is not the way to be like, so we need some more money to finish. They're like, finish? <laughs> what are you talking? Yeah, you, you guys are finished. <laughs> like, that's not what we meant. Well, it's what we meant. And... Like, it's not a movie to be embarrassed about. It's a movie I imagine you're just like, I wish they would have just let me make my movie. Yeah. I probably could have done it. Like, also, at one point, it was maybe going to be R-rated. Like, there was a lot of ideas that I think he got to start that they were like, never mind, go do this. 
And that's, you're just not going to win that way. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, it was presented as, you know, it's like a horror movie set in the X-Men universe. And like, it's a horror movie in the same way that like the trailer for it is a horror movie. Like it's got the elements about that much worth in there. <laughs> yeah, and and and, uh, and Anna Taylor Joy is in it. That's about That's, it. Oh, yeah, and she's so racist in it as well. I I remember that sticking out to me. She's just like constantly making like really really off color Native American jokes. Well, yeah, that wasn't great because that's the thing with the like the bear at the end, right? Yeah, well, because the main character is. Um, I'm not going to say what tribe she is because I don't remember. But um, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's the big like inside you. There are two bears and Adam Beach plays her dad for like 30 seconds. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, there were ideas there. Yeah, there were. Yeah. Um, and so uh, let's see. Tragedy Girls. OK, so there's only one more that um, I've seen prior to today's recording. Uh, which uh, has been on my radar for a while. Finally got around to it. Witching and bitching. Great name. Uh, and like, honestly, I'd be lying if I didn't say like the title is part of the reason it stayed on my radar all these years. Um, totally. 2013. This is a 10 year old movie. Um, Alex De La Iglesias is the director who I'm not as familiar with, but I know he's done a lot of sort of high profile genre stuff. He's currently got a show mm. on HBO. Um He's somebody I've been meaning to start getting into, and um, I guess this serves as my entry point. Uh, Let's say you have an excuse now. Yeah, uh, it is wild. <laughs> it is With so a name out like there. That. It is, yeah. I mean, it's the opening scene is like the craziest bank heist gone wrong you've ever seen, and then it only gets weirder from there. Um, there's cannibalistic witches. It really, the scale of it just keeps getting bigger. Uh, they find this amazing like mansion, and then at a certain point, you've got like twenty different characters all running around and chasing each other. It's not as gory as you would necessarily expect. I mean, there's definitely some nasty stuff, but like, mm. it, it's surprisingly more upbeat <laughs> and like you know, like like it almost has a romantic streak to it, which is a bit surprising. But it's also like super duper unhinged. Um, yeah, yeah. If Listen, you want something that's is- really out there, I would I would recommend it. Yeah, witches need love too. They sure do. Well, one of them, there's, believe me, there's an extensive subplot about just how much one of them needs love. Hey, there you go. Um, no, that's cool. I uh, love a good name for a uh, a film. Did they also just recently announce that there's a new Blackula coming? Talk about names for films. I want to say I heard something about that, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Well, except that you're going to watch it next year for 31 days. If it's ready. There you go. I'll do uh, a double well, feature with the original. There you go. It's perfect to do that. Uh, the ex- And uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. There you go. Yeah. The exciting conclusion to 31 days of Halloween slash horror coming next week on the podcast. Well, next year. Well, no, the conclusion to this series mm. is next week. Yes, correct. Sorry, yes. Yes, and then and then on the uh, Sunday scaries that that weekend. Yes. Uh, yes. Which is so, which I have definitely started writing. Yes. Well, I reminded you now, and I'll remind you again when we record next week, and then the rest is up to you. Um, let's transition a wee bit. Um, our questions are going to be um, very uh, Killers of the Flower Moon esque. So let's wait a minute on that. Um, first up. I saw Pain Hustlers. It's not great. 
that was the, the the buzz out of TIFF where I didn't see it because I went to see uh, Hitman instead. And boy, did I make a good choice. Yeah, even, even ahead of time, that was the right choice to make. Yeah, I mean, Pain Hustlers wants to be the Wolf of Wall Street. It should settle for being Love and Other Drugs, but it's not as good as that movie. Mm. It it just it, it's not fun. Like, it's very watchable. But I mean, it's a movie. Look at the two stars of that movie, right? It's going to be watchable. Yeah. And like David Yates, competent filmmaker. It's based on a book. Like I, this, the, the transition that it wants to make in the Scorsese crime movie feel of here's the upper, right? And then right. about halfway through, we got to tell you about the, the comeuppance. It's just not handled well. It's too fast. There isn't an in-between. Like, I think Scorsese is pretty good at showing you the the glamour right well with the underlying like doom that's gonna come right and then just slowly changing it right so at a certain point like there's more doom than glamour but it's still like in goodfellas right by the time you get to the the paranoia in the third act right you've already had the turn yeah well and by that point as well you've like you've seen enough to understand why they would take all the risks and get up to that point in the first place. So like, yeah. there's no lingering sort of quite, you're just on board for the ride at that point. Yeah. Casino is building dread slowly of like all the things are happening and like there's less and less control. Like it's a thing that he does. Right. And here there's just sort of like a, like the finger gets snapped and like, up oh, everyone's now addicted to, to, cause it's a, it's about essentially fentanyl for, I don't know if that's uh I think it's under a different name, but it's that kind of like heavy dose painkiller, right? And everything's great. Everyone loves it. And then one person overdoses and then everyone's a zombie in the next scene, like looking for it. It it just it's too quick and too sort of like cliff notes in that sense. It's on Netflix. Like it's kind of designed to be passively consumed. And in that sense, it's a, you know, movie with some A-listers in it. I think Emily Blunt's pretty good. Um, Chris Evans is solid. Andy Garcia says, I told you off air, very weird like almost beyond good and bad in it it's it's not like a terrible movie it's just it's a it's a misfire that like i've seen the movie i've seen this movie before i've seen movies about pharmaceuticals i've seen movies about sales reps i've seen movies about like crime it's just it's things we've already seen like i think i told you it's a picture of a picture right so like i don't know how anyone would recommend it which probably explains why it's at like 20 percent of rotten tomatoes so you could do worse like it's not an actively bad film, but it's I can't see anyone leaving it, whether in a theater or on Netflix, been like, you know what? My new favorite movie. Right. And every and every movie is somebody's favorite movie. And yet that one, probably not so much. So uh, before we do Killers of the Flower Moon, because you have thoughts, I have can you continue my thoughts and we can talk about um, De Niro and DiCaprio and Scorsese. If you want to give some of your rankings, since I uh, I put mine up over the, the weekend. I, I finally caught up with American fiction. Yes. And that was, uh, yeah. So two very conflicting thoughts in my head. One, I liked it a lot more than I expected. And not that I wasn't thinking it was good or that I was going to like it, but you kind of go in arms crossed is the wrong word, but at this point you need it to prove itself in a way that it doesn't need to prior to getting awards. Right. Sure. Um, and in that sense, it, it, it overcomes them. Like, it's very entertaining. It's very well done. On the other hand, it's maybe smaller than I even thought it was going to be. And I've sort of said, this is a small movie. This is a this is a movie that I think may have a harder time than people realize 
getting in just because it is a tiny movie and watching it i figured out why well not why but it's very um accessible right it's not a hard movie to get into it's not um it reminds me a lot of reading a good book sure and in and it reminded me of a lot of movies over the years i've enjoyed but the thing is all those movies have never come anywhere near oscar they're just character studies and i and half the movie is a fairly mellow character study about this tightly wound guy the other half is the the almost the subplot is the satire like it's way more about him than it is about this like project coming together and and how every ridiculous move he makes just sort of like people all go with it and it has a good ending in that sense like the sort of it's a little unexpected where it goes in the final moments but up until then it pretty much is doing what you think it's going to do it's just doing it well so I, I, I don't know that I left with this like, oh, it's going to win feeling sure that I think some people have. But I don't know that I, I left either being like it has a it's going to get snubbed. I do think it'll get into best picture. And I think so, because it, it, it's a little distinctive. It has the, the pedigree. And if we're being honest, the Academy struggles when multiple movies have actors and actresses of color in them. Unfortunately, so they're going to come probably go to the one they've heard of first and i i also am sort of skeptical of the color purple at this point Not yeah that... me too unfortunately also that movie is just gonna have trouble making money and yeah. it really needs to do well like if there's not if the strike isn't resolved then they can't like go on i think i've even said it's like the morning shows and the and the and the talk shows and all the things that like get like your garden variety movie goer to maybe buy a ticket yeah, it's going to underperform and it'll be easy to dismiss unless it's like absolutely phenomenal. And my guess is, let's say an educated guess, can't say more about that, is it's not phenomenal. It's solid to good and solid to good doesn't get in on 25 million at the box office or something like that. Right. Where, exactly. Whereas American fiction, almost any money is fine. Um, I will say, and you're not going to like this. I'm very skeptical about Jeffrey Wright getting in. Yeah, I was worried about it's, that, but I'm 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 already bracing myself for it because the film itself isn't like it, it doesn't seem to be like a Rustin where the character is charismatic enough to maybe like carry the performance. I was just talking about this with a, a friend of mine, Wilson Morales, and I don't and like I to make that comparison. By the way, I I don't like that I defaulted no. there. <laughs> But I think there is there there is very much a world where they're going to fight it out for the five slot. Well, that is the thing, isn't it? And it always feels like that's the way, and it shouldn't be, but it is. No, but and then if that is the case, Rustin, I think American Fiction is the better movie, has more cross the board um, possibilities. But just for actor, Coleman Domingo is going bigger. Sure, and I think they will respond to that. Whereas Jeffrey Wright. And this is a compliment, but we'll explain why I think he might get snubbed. He's doing his best Paul Giamatti. Oh, interesting. It's very, like if this was like, obviously a lot of the movie would be different because this is a very specific point of view. Mm-hmm. But imagine this kind of film. Obviously, the, the satire in question is different. You would put Paul Giamatti as like the, the put upon writer. Like, I'm going to show these people. Right. It's very much his kind of role. A, a middle-aged like academic who can't relate to people in the same way other people can. Like it, it's it's almost exactly what he would play, 
right? Sure. If this was uh, not an Alexander Payne movie necessarily, but like a a different movie. And I think we've learned over the years the Academy is willing to snub him. Yeah, unfortunately. They they seem like they're going to make up for it this year, but... Ooh, we'll see. We'll see. I think even if the holdovers is a player, I still think Giamatti's vulnerable because that's just what happens Maybe. sometimes. I, I'm curious what you what you think when you see it. Because uh, he's even if no, even if the performance is great and deserving, I still think he's an actor who's always he's never a sure thing. <laughs> no, I think the one thing that helps him in a way, which is kind of funny, is he's bigger than he usually is. Like, there's affectations to this character. Sure. Like, like you know, sideways. It's a big snub. Paul Giamatti is doing Paul Giamatti, right? It's, it's like, I got this role. This is what I know how to do. Well, in many ways, freaks- sideways is the prototypical Paul Giamatti role. Sure. And, like, we learned, oh, they like that, just not him doing it. Makes no sense. But in, in Holdovers, there is a lot of that. But he's got like, like I told you, the 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 eye becomes like a plot point at one point. Sure. And and he really plays it up, like you see in the trailer. Like he really plays up the eye. Like the character has like a disorder where he smells. Like there's just these little things that like does it make it a more interesting performance? I don't know. I still think it's a good performance. But it just it's all those little things that a voter for some reason really gravitate towards. Like the more. Like more is more for a voter. Sure. So I, I, I'm curious. It will be interesting if it comes down to Giamatti or Jeffrey Wright, maybe for the fifth slot. Like, how do you like your Paul Giamatti <laughs> played by Jeffrey Wright? Um, that being said, movie is very good. When it's funny, it's funny. The character study is pretty lived in. Nothing about it will surprise you again. Like, it's not trying to be shocking. It's also not as savage as I think you think it's going to be. It's it's more good natured than you're realizing. Sure. Not about the satire, but the whole product. It's a crowd pleaser. It's very much a crowd pleaser. And uh, everyone is very much enjoying themselves. A couple of subplots don't go as far as I would like them to, but it's really nitpicky. Um, It's one of those things where I think if you, like with a lot of these movies, if I really dig in deep, I'm going to find stuff I like less than the rest of it. Sure. But I had a a very good time with it. And uh, right now I think it's in my top 10 for the year. Nice. Yeah. So it's... uh, this, we're getting to the point now where I'm like, I, something I really like is not going to be in my top ten. That was not the case all year. I was a little worried. Well, I'm I'm hoping I'm eventually at that point because uh, right now there's a very good chance that uh, the year ends with Dungeons and Dragons still in my top ten. I mean, I wouldn't have hated it there, but yeah, I was I was not relieved to have something like that no longer in it. But like, I, I like the variety a little bit more. Sure. So we'll talk about that one in December when you see it. But yeah, you'll, there's plenty of stuff for you still to see that'll upend your list, I'm sure. Um, so more in American fiction to come. I'm actually going to write something, I think, this week on the uh, Audience Award kind of thing. And if there's a a more comparable film. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, like I said weeks ago, I really hate the idea that like this is going to be the one that misses. Because sure. what a message you're sending. But I want to see if um, tonally there's another thing that it fits. Because also... And this is maybe a question to put to you to think about. What was the last satire I got nominated for Best Picture? Like satirical film. I mean, don't look up. Sure. But a lot of that was star power, right? And like the Adam McKay of it all. And Sure. But I think if there was an element of it where it felt like a throwback to a like a Barry Levinson movie we haven't seen in a while or something like that. Exactly. What's the one before that, though? 
Before that, probably whatever Barry Levinson movie. Um, was Wag the Dog get nominations? I don't think it did. I think it got a got a it got a Dustin Hoffman nomination. I want to say maybe or screenplay. Maybe or a something. screenplay nomination. Yeah, was it I Mammoth? Know. I have no idea. Um, maybe. Um, otherwise, yeah, if, yeah, I couldn't tell you offhand. Doctor Strange. They don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't have a great track record in Best Picture because no, I think they're fair. too smart for some people. Which is maybe meaner than I mean, but also, I don't know, maybe not. Been on, a lot of the industry has been on strike because of a lot of idiots. So, who's to say? Uh, Producers, studios, that's what I mean, not the actors, obviously. So, we'll see. Uh, I want to investigate that a little further this week. But stay tuned for more on that, because I I do think it's a movie worth talking about. Beyond just being quality. Cool. Well, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think picture and screenplay are where you should really uh, focus your attention on. Uh, Jeffrey Wright will see Sterling K. Brown. I don't think he has a scene, but he's good. And that lineup is is crystallizing, possibly quicker than we expected. Yeah, yeah, could end up being a little bit of a predictable lineup, but those are always the ones that get upended, aren't they? Who's, well, that, that who's going to get snubbed out of the four though? Now yeah. I'm worried. <laughs> well, that fifth slot, I got to tell you, I was uh, thinking about making a change. Uh, and I was thinking about putting Glenn Howerton in as the fifth. Listen, man, that's my ideal scenario right now. I don't know. I, well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I believe in it, but I want it. I don't know either. So before we talk about Heroes of the Flower Moon and our questions, the Gotham Awards happened this week, right? Our first, we kicked off precursor season, believe it or not, in October. Yes. Um, the Gotham Awards decided to not have a budget cap, which strange choice. Even though if you look at their nominations, mostly didn't care. They just went with what they always do. Yeah. Um, funny with, with one notable of, exception. <laughs> yes. One notable exception I have zero problems with if that's what they changed the rule for. It's not what they changed the rule for, but was a cool use of it. Also, you would have been very pleased. I think I even told you I got an email from uh, Universal being like, by the way, we did not submit Oppenheimer. We didn't, we're not getting snubbed tomorrow. We just don't care. Yeah. Um, and I almost think it's like kind of like right in some way to make let the indie awards have their indie awards. Well, isn't that just the way? Like, surely there's an indie supporting actor who could have gotten the Gosling slot. Yeah. Like, spoiler, Ryan Gosling got nominated, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, yes. it is a really good early sign for him, certainly. And the yeah, film in general, so, maybe. Yeah. So here, well, um, also keep in mind. I'll read you the nominees real quick. Keep in mind that these are voted on by very small committees. So like the six or seven people picking best feature don't also pick best uh, lead performance. That's why you, when there's crossover here, it matters more because there's that little bit consensus. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Best feature passages, the Iris X movie that I I saw at um, Sundance, I think past lives. What I would imagine is the front runner. Reality showing up a thousand and one sure seems like past lives going to get a win there. Yeah. International feature. This is a lineup. <laughs> All of us strangers uh, interview with Andrew Hay coming next week. Anatomy of a fall. Poor things. Totem and the zone of interest. Very interesting lineup. I can see that going a lot of different ways, but I think poor things if it's doing well for picture has a shot uh, documentary feature 20 days in uh, Maripol, which I think may be the Oscar front runner right now. 
seems to be catching on more. Uh, that or one other one that I'll mention. Against the Tide, Apollonia, Apollonia. Four Daughters I've also had cited a lot, and Our Body. I've seen a lot of the docs because of the documentary, uh, Critics' Choice Documentary Awards. But um, I think the Michael J. Fox one is still my favorite. It hasn't been a, like a year for documentary that I'm going nuts over. I, I mean, I would love to see that one get in there. It's probably not. They hate the biographical docs. Yeah, I've noticed Break. that. That's yeah, a bit of a shame. They just yeah, you'd think that they would want the the bigger docs to get in to like shine a light on them, but they don't. They do their own thing. Uh, Breakthrough director Raven Jackson, All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt, Georgia Oakley, Blue Jean, Michelle Garza Severa for her her I I can't get that name right, but sorry, <laughs> sorry Michelle. Uh, Celine Song, Past Lives, probably the front runner. Navy Rockwell, A Thousand and One. Focus is gonna I think try to get a thousand and one some attention i've i've noticed that i was that was one that i was sort of hesitant to be too confident about predictions wise just because it is so early in the year but then i can i'm already seeing a renewed push for it and it's early so that's a good sign definitely needs it otherwise it would get forgotten about uh best screenplay all of a strangers anatomy of a fall may december not written by um todd haynes by the way RMN, by Christian Mungu, our happiest filmmaker working today. Yeah. And uh, the zone of interest, Jonathan Glazer, speaking of happy filmmakers, yeah. solid lineup. And then uh, outstanding lead performance. Remember, they do 10 and they don't uh, separate gender. So again, I believe we got a 7-3 split. Not bad, uh, not bad. Anjanu Ellis, Taylor, Origin. Lily Gladstone, The Unknown Country, not Killers of the Flower Moon. Greta Lee, Past Lives, Fran Rogowski, Passages, uh, Babatita Sayo uh, for Our Father the Devil, Andrew Scott, All of Us Strangers, Kaylee Spaney, Priscilla, Tiana Taylor, 1001, Michelle Williams showing up, Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. Yay. Yeah, I, this this is the kind of stuff where I think he's definitely going to show up. Also, I think we, we're getting points here for uh, that Vulture movie game, right? Yeah, a little bit. Exactly. I checked. I'm I'm beating you, but we're both in like four thousandth place. Oh, I I already know. I made a handful of like bad choices early on that are gonna screw me. Yeah. So uh, like our fantasy game, we also did the vulture one, and we t- we picked different things than we did here. So um, we'll talk about it in a, in a couple weeks. I think it's a little early now to to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when we got the horror stuff. Uh, supporting performance: Juliet Binoche, The Taste of Things, Penelope Cruz, Ferrari, Jamie Fox for They Clone Tyrone, Claire Foy, All of Us Strangers, uh, Miles Spoiled It, but Ryan Gosling, Barbie, by far yeah. the least expected, also kind of most awesome nomination they can do. Like, yeah, let yeah. him be the front runner going in. That'd be awesome. And let's see what. Well, happens. and also kind of the most divisive nomination, probably. Yeah, the, the the purists were not thrilled, but also, whatever. Well, Glenn there Howard is an argument to be made that it's not the kind of performance that that's meant to highlight, but yeah. Yes, but they also removed the budget cap, so there you go. To, well, no, totally. It's just like, oh, this is the one place that's being <coughs> sort of used. I, I don't agree it. I just, I've seen a lot of sentiment yeah. that way. I mean, listen, they're going to, people are going to have to get prepared that Ryan Gosling is more likely than not to get nominated, and Margot Robbie is like a 50-50 proposition at the moment. Which is weird. Yeah, but also the nature Hi, of those Joey. categories. Hello. 
Hey, special oh. appearance by Kelly. Kelly just got home. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kelly, did you see a horror movie while you were out by any chance? <laughs> he wants to know whether you uh, saw a horror movie while you were out. It was called Macy's. She saw Dawn of the Dead. See, she, we saw, she it. saw the prequel to Black Friday. There we go. Uh, you know, or Thanksgiving isn't isn't the centerpiece in that movie like a store like stampede or something? Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it looks like 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 a like a, like a knockoff Walmart like Black Friday thing. Incredible it, like, actually, that that may be. end up having the same like central set piece as Krampus. Yeah, I think it, it it's got to be Black Friday, right? Because it's like a year a year later, right? Thanksgiving. I would assume so. I mean, usually there's not a craze before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I feel like if I had to guess, boy, the Gotham Awards love that we're doing this. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. The like, well, last boy, year, anyone who likes actual awards chatter likes when we do this. <laughs> Listen, it's October. Uh, I think it's the Black Friday after Thanksgiving. And then the next Thanksgiving is when the killer is on the loose. Yeah, or however many before for the killer to grow up and. Yeah, yeah, it could be could be several years. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, <coughs> so yeah, Glenn Howard and Blackberry. Yeah, can't wait. Very excited. Uh, Blackberry, our other very exciting nomination. Very. Uh, and like I said, I'm I'm thinking about moving them up. If nothing else, then to remind people that like. It's not a quirky nomination. Like, it's a legit good nomination. No, it, like, I, I was, um, somebody posted a clip of um, his last scene where he's just, like, he kind of goes silent. And, like, I forget, just, like, it's just a legit great performance. Like, no qualification needed. Yeah, it's it's the it's the perfect casting also. Like, because he is more than at home screaming and yelling at them. Totally. But the the quiet moments are a, a new sort of... Uh, muscle exactly he does a very good job with it uh rest of the nominations was sandra uller for the zone of interest interesting that she got in for that one yeah but that's also again committees and 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 some degree of wanting to mix it up rachel mcadams are you there god it's me margaret also taking away the budget cap because that's a studio film also kind of cool that Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams are up against each other. Yeah, I way. noticed that. That's kind of interesting. I'm super happy with that nomination. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to translate, but I would love to see it. I don't think so, but like there are there is a push going on. Like I, I talked I talked to Lionsgate about interviewing uh, director Kelly uh, Kelly Freeman Craig. Um, Charles Melton got in from May December, where the women did not. Yep. And divine and divine joy ran off the holdovers. I don't uh, think we've seen most of the shows. We don't have to do that one. BT Dubs. I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but I think there's definitely potential for um, Melton to repeat that um, down the line where he's like the one performance that gets acknowledged from the film. Yes, he is. Uh, I almost put him in my five, but I'm tinkering. Like I said, I'm going to when I update my predictions, I think I'm taking out Willem Dafoe for now. Not that he wouldn't get in. I could see them doubling down on poor things, but it's it's a little early to jump to what might happen in January. Sure. If that makes sense. So I think I might go Glenn just to like, see how that feels. Right. In the same way that I, I put Gosling at one just to sort of see how that feels. But, um, I think I already have Natalie Portman missing. So it's just Julianne Moore kind of taking advantage of a weak category, but I have to make room for Penelope Cruz. Cause she, I think is going to get in. If not, maybe win. That would be very weird if she wins for Ferrari, but We'll talk about it when you see it. Sure. So there are decisions to be made there. Very interesting the way that's sort of going. Um, before we get into killers, let's do a question. 
Matthew Anderson, what are some of your favorite films that ran close to three hours or more? Um, so we've actually talked about this a fair bit in um, recent years because a yes. lot of the films that get nominated or just that we have to talk about end up being an increasingly exorbitant length. It feels like the average is longer <laughs> than it used to be. Maybe that's just me, but... Um, no, and it's it's the Roger Ebert of it all. No good movies too long, no bad movies too short. Which I, I always think is a statement that needs to be qualified because I do think there are some films that would be tangibly better if they were shorter. So it's Yes, there are subcategories. There are subcategories within it, but... It, we, it's a we, rule of it, thumb that it, it it the point of that quote has is less more about like good or bad movies and more about just like pacing is key. And I think as we'll get into with Flower Moon and Scorsese in general, even the absolute masters like can potentially paint themselves into a corner just by courting such a long runtime in the first place. Because well, the well, longer yeah. you get, the fewer gaps you can kind of allow yourself in momentum. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about it with Scorsese in a moment. I will, uh, I'll throw out a movie I don't think I've mentioned. Because like you said, we have talked about a lot of our long movies over the years. But um, the uh, bootleg cut, the extended cut of Almost Famous, runs almost three hours. And I think that movie's phenomenal. It's a great movie at two and change. But I think all the added stuff is just, in that movie, which is such a mood and vibes movie, I'm happy to hang out for another hour. I mean, I'll throw out some obvious ones that I know you'll disagree with, but I do think the Lord of the Rings trilogy is sort of one of the definitive examples of how to sort of make uh, that runtime work. Well, you are literally the exception that proves the rule, though. That's fine. Um, And, uh, you know, I I will be the first to say that it's a skill that Peter Jackson has not replicated in any film since. But, um, in fact, even when making the follow-up films, did not replicate it. Well, very much so. Like the Hobbit movies are ass, but um, yeah. I like I like King Kong, but it's not a well-paced movie. No, I'm I'm into King Kong also because it's just that sort of thing works. Also, like I'm indulging in everything. Yeah, and you are along for this or not, and that kind of thing I'm fine with because you just sort of prepare yourself. Like, okay, this is uh, this is what it's gonna be, right? Yeah. Whereas on the flip side, um, Occupied City, right? The uh, Steve McQueen uh, documentary that's four hours long. Couldn't get on board with it. And you're just like, I now have three hours and 45 minutes to go. I have three and a half hours to go. Like you start just like timing it. I I get it. I appreciate it. I can't get on board with it. Um, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, right? Long movie. Though not, not as long as its reputation, actually. No, yeah, that or also like went it feels cuts. like a long movie, but like it's not. Like, well, that was a year of like most Marvel movies these days are probably longer. Totally. Well, that was the year of like I think No Country for All Men, There Will Be Blood, Atonement, Jesse yeah. James. Like they all had that vibe of like a Zodiac was that year. Yep. Like oh, these movies are so long. They're all two and a half or under, right? Yeah, for the most part, I think Zodiac American- is the closest to three from memory. Yeah. Like American Gangster might be longer than some of them. Yeah, could be. I, I mean, Atonement might remember. be pretty long, actually. No, actually, um, I think actually, Atonement's I fairly short from... I think Atonement's only like a little over two hours. Interesting. I, I have a, a DVD tower that seems to be just that year. So <laughs> well, it was, it was actually very convenient. <laughs> good year for the Oscars in particular. Yeah, um, I actually rewatched No Country. Uh, it was on a couple days ago. Always a good it, one. It catch, catches me more than I expected. I think, you know, not being a huge Cohen person... 
I think that one is going to grow on me the older I get also because it is a it's a good old man movie. Definitely fair. Um, so thinking about longer ones, I mean, recent ones that we've talked about that I want to give, you know, quick shout outs to, um, really loved RRR, a film that did have the sense to put an intermission in. Um, yeah, that one needed it. Just uh, also, you just need a break. I think for what's going well, on. Well, that one is very intense, which is one way you can combat the runtime by just being relentless essentially. And I do think there are yeah. pacing gaps in it. Like there's enough slow scenes that it's not relentless per se but it is when it dials it up it dials it up a lot and it dials it up yes. every time um drive my car i know we have our disagreements on but that was one where it's fascinating because it's very much the kind of film that should like be everything i hate but i found it like the runtime to be like besides the point i was just so engrossed in sort of the drama of yeah. it all and totally. the, and the best stories can do that even when they don't have something sort of flashy or sort of some big gimmick to sort of justify the runtime like that is kind mm -hmm. of an interesting case where I would say there isn't really one beyond unless you just want to say like the prologue is an hour long short film before getting into the regular movie. <clears throat> um, kind of is. Which you could make that argument, but it all it all flows, I think. Um, sure. But, you know, if you want to go classic, I did get to see uh, Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen when they did the 4K restoration. And that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. No. Done well. And you're hooked. I don't think you care. Listen, Endgame. Three Endgame. hours long. Yeah. You now can, that you said, can do it. I don't want any of these other fucking MCU bullshit or any of the other things to start being three hours long. And um, Eternal, Eternals came soon. close, and that did not. Burn yeah. it. <laughs> well, Mar uh, Marvels is an hour forty-five. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah, uh, Oppenheimer also three hours. We can shut that. Very out. good and very yeah. well paced. Exactly, it can be done. Um, so um, let's talk about killers of the flower moon and then we'll do we'll wrap up with the questions because we have they're all centered on performers from that film fair enough uh i i spoke of how much i i liked at the time it is a long movie there was no way around that if you don't get on board with it i imagine it would become a chore it is uh a lot but i i was consistently compelled you just kind of like give yourself over to what it's doing and I do think by the time the third act rolls around, especially once Jesse Plemons shows up and that kind of uh, mild, mild bit of relief starts to encroach, it, it changes tone a little bit. I think at a point where it might have started to lose people. Um, now, granted, there were things within that section that people take issue with, um, but it also manages to end on what uh, I've said. And, and you, I think you agreed. Um Maybe one of Scorsese's best endings. So I'm 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 big on it. I actually I did give it four stars. Uh, would I have cut it down to like two forty five? Probably, but I get why it's this long. In the same way that I got why the Irishman was this long, and I think I, I went the same route with that. So uh, it's I'm okay to spend three and a half hours uh, watching a uh, you know a master uh, work in his craft. Take over. Sure. Um, so yes, I had, um, I, I, I had a lot of thoughts about this movie. It is a movie that is designed to make you have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, um, by a filmmaker who wants you to think about his work. Very much so. Um, it definitely falls into the same later reflective period category as the Irishman and silence to a lesser extent. Um, yeah. 
Incidentally, um, just as a very quick sidebar, I did rewatch The Irishman this week for the first time since it came out. Um, just to well, just after having seen Flower Moon, to sort of you know, it, it's been a while. I wanted to see if sort of my thoughts on it had changed. I did yeah. have to break it up into chunks because it's also got once you've seen it, time. I think it's okay. Uh no, I feel about the same about it to be honest. Like, it, well, no, I meant in terms of breaking it up. I think once you've seen it the first time as intended, it's totally fine to break it up. Sure, I would either break it up or cut it down. Still though. Um, that is not a film that I think warrants its runtime, and maybe I feel that way because I think the first hour is kind of bad. Um, well, that's the thing. The first it's, hour is it's it when the CGI it is at its most noticeable and distracting. And let me tell you, that stuff is already not aged well. The, the The scene where old man De Niro beats the guy up in front of the grocery store might be the worst scene in Scorsese's filmography. Well, that's um, the that's the one thing you can't fix is how the old man gate. He can't like, give him a fucking spotty double for one shot. Jesus Christ! Why does it matter yeah. that De Niro kicks the guy? Sure, like because the thing is, like I don't, I'm I'm totally fine with older playing younger, younger playing older. Like do what you want. Like in this movie, DiCaprio is a middle aged man playing a fucking man in his early twenties. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, De Niro's playing a guy in his like his forties. Like it's fine. Just it's go it's with all it. relative. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think for me with the Irishman, then we'll get to the topic at hand. But for me, the the issue comes the the film's greatest strength potentially being its three lead performances. It's also its greatest hangout because when you get locked into centering it on those actors, you have to deal with their ages. Whereas I think if you went with people who are maybe closer to like the Leo age range, you can do both the younger and the older a bit more convincingly because you're starting from more of the center. Whereas I think That's because fair. you're starting from such an older place, it's fine to the point where it's not even noticeable once you hit like the halfway point, basically. But that first hour is so rough with De Niro and Pesci. Um, and I think, even now, even knowing it, even going in, expecting it and trying to go in with an open mind, it, it still catapults me out of the movie. And I think also the fact that the movie doesn't really get going until Jimmy Hoffa shows up. And I think mm. from there, it's it gets going. And there's a lot of great stuff in it. I don't think it's bad by any stretch, but I think it's that's a case where the length sort of gives it a less than the sum of its parts uh, aspect for me, at least. Sure, I love the passage of time element of that and how it really hammers home in the last act. But yeah, that first act is is lesser Goodfellas. And yeah, well, and I think a lot of it is too. I mean, we kind of talked about this with Casino, I think. Um, but um, it does have that element of we've seen variations on these scenes before. And in sure. almost every case, the version we saw before was better. I think I think from the moment you hear, I heard Japan Houses, we're, we're on easy street. It, right. it, it's it up improves, until then. definitely. And I do think the yeah. f the final stretch of them and like retirement homes and sort of dealing with the consequences, I think that's the best stuff in the movie and where like sort of, you know, the, 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 real, reason he made the, the real thesis statement of it all really comes into focus. But I don't I don't personally believe that you need that much build up to have that same emotional payoff. Sure. I, uh, in, in some ways, it almost felt like a test run for this movie. Yes. Like, can I get away with it? So what I'll say about Flower Moon, I think overall I like Flower Moon a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do think overall it is better place, better paced. Um, but I do 
still chafe against the runtime. I think a better version of this movie would be two and a half to two forty five. It doesn't have yeah. to be short. I would even be fine with three. Like, you know, if we're talking about Scorsese, Wolf of Wall Street is a relatively re- I mean, I say recent. It's a decade old now. But it is still a semi-recent example of a three-hour Scorsese movie that fucking flies by. And like Thelma Shoemaker, Shoemaker, even when dealing with these gargantuan projects, you know, I'm not going to say she's not one of the best in the business because obviously she is. Um, so, So like these things, when they flow, they flow. And I think what I've noticed sort of watching Flower Moon and then going back to The Irishman is that these films work really well on like a scene to scene basis that like each scene flows into the next scene really well. He does a lot of the sort of, you know, he'll have like two scenes playing concurrently. Uh, That's him, something he and Thelma do a lot throughout the filmography. Um, Like a lot of stuff like that, that sort of makes it go or like stuff that's set to music or that has music sort of carrying you through a montage or what have you. Like there's a lot of little tricks that they do to sort of keep the flow going and keep the pace going uh, that I think works quite well. But that said, I think this one's still it's mostly in the middle. I think where most of the sag could potentially be cut out. Well, it's the the only thing that's. It's repetitious, not in a bad way. Yeah, and but there I, and are I a lot of the, scenes getting exactly. to the same point. And I understand the intention behind it, and I think a lot of the subplots that we get into are interesting, specifically the ones that deal with the various Osage characters. Um, there's the guy who's, you know, uh, Robert De Niro sort of takes advantage of and takes into his care. Um, there's, you know, there's all the sisters the, of the Lily Gladstone. Friend. Exactly. There's, there's so many individual people that like that stuff is all really good and compelling and interesting, but there's just a few too many. Like there's like, I'm, without giving too much away uh, there and I'll get into stuff I like, cause I did mostly like this movie. Yeah. Um, but um there's like maybe 10 different scenes about having a conversation about like trying to plant a bomb. There's like, there's like at least three different scenes just talking about who they're going to talk to. And then there's at least a handful of scenes, like almost identical scenes that take place 30 minutes apart that are just scenes of, Hey, can you go talk to that person? I don't know where that person is. Well, can you just go do it? Okay. I'll go find yeah, them. And, like, and that and scene plays out. Good. Multiple. Yeah. But it's like, you, you still see the same scene four or well, five times. I get what he's getting at. Right. Because the, one of the more interesting things about this is the, the, the killers, right. The, the, sure. the criminals, the white people in the movie, the let's, conspiracy let's as it, it were. Yeah. They're all buffoons. Oh, yeah. They're bad at this. That's what makes it so frustrating is they're awful at this, but people don't give a shit because yeah, well, it's doing pure it indifference that lets them yeah. get as far as they do. Yeah. But um, so some of those scenes I like because it's like, oh, how do I do? like there's a lot of like, oh, how do I do that, boss? Because like De Niro's the only competent one because he's the, yeah. you know, the the twirling mustache at the center of it. But. For example, there's a scene with um, DiCaprio and I think it's his brother-in-law, right? Yeah. Or his or someone. I think it's his actual brother. No, 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 not not his brother. When they're at the house before the bombing, oh, like, I, I don't I like okay, you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And like, it's fine. Like, I get it. It's it's showing. Like, I actually quite like tensions. that scene. I think that was one of the better scene. scenes. It's a great scene for him, but in terms of narrative thrust, no, totally. I, you're like, all right, there's one that could have gone hypothetically, but. I get what they're getting at. No, um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to get into the weeds of like what you would cut and what you would keep because like none of them are bad scenes in and of themselves. Like unlike The Irishman where I felt some of it was kind of, you know, sort of 
reminiscent of his earlier work in a non-flattering way. Here, I think it mostly feels fresh. And even though it's painting with the same tools, it feels like it's telling a story we haven't seen before. Yeah. Well, um, same with, um, with Lily Gladstone. Like, there's a lot of scenes of her um, wasting away, right? Yeah. At, at, at a certain point. But you need that because you need to see how she's deteriorating while the situation is deteriorating and, and sort of the way that this would continue. Because she is perceptive and on the ball right so how would how would she not realize like oh well guess what um it's not really a spoiler it was also based on a book everyone read but like you know they're kind of poisoning her slowly at the same time like there there's enough going on there's a lot going on is the thing there's there's a lot of concurrent stories progressing so i think that's also the many of scorsese's best films it's a massive ensemble and you know even like the little characters feel like they get at least a few scenes to play and do something um and 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 everyone's good with one exception so well let's circle back to that because i got things to say about that yeah and and you know what and if we're talking about the same person which i think they are they're doing what's on the page it's impossible we're not talking about the same person yes they they there's one performance that you think about when you think about out there performances in this film okay well fuck it we're in it now brendan fraser um listen i i am of two minds about this on the one hand I will just put my foot down and say that he's in the movie for like two minutes and there's just not enough performance for people to yeah, who cares, have a strong honestly. opinion about one way or the other, good or bad. Yes. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think it's necessarily among his best work, but I don't think it's no, like it's aggressively. Whatever. It's not aggressively bad the way people have been making out. That said, I do understand why it yanks people out of the movie, especially if you didn't know he was going to be in it going in and you just go into a room and he's just there and he suddenly just starts screaming at everybody without warning. Then, yeah, that would definitely take you out of it for a second. Which apparently is exactly what that lawyer did. Which totally, and like that plays. And I think that, I think my problem there is that we just don't get to spend enough time with him for him to really sink his teeth into the character. It's shorthand for. And maybe I'm projecting because I watched the news like the shitty lawyer Trump would hire. Right. I'm loud and I'll say the thing. But well, I any, don't any kind any of proof. lawyer in that situation. Yeah, they're all cut from the same cloth. So, yeah. Yeah. In terms of what the script demand and what the scene demands, he absolutely delivers it. I think because Which, we know him and because he literally just won an Oscar, I think we all kind of subconsciously were expecting more or wanting more. Even though I think he filmed this before he won the Oscar, before he even no, did 100%, the No, 100 percent. And that's the thing. So it's unreasonable expectations. But it's no. it's just one of those things where it's generated way more discourse than it warrants. I thought. Exactly. Like a, I, a kind of weird, surprising, fun thing, but it's not. It's not horrible. Yeah, it's not a it's, get, make him give the Oscar back. No, it's no. So bad. Like, like it's, it's just a performance. It's just he came exactly. in and he yelled for two minutes and and he was you thrilled to be there and and that's great. Yeah. yeah. In the same way, like, listen, was Ray Romano amazing in The Irishman? No, but like, but he was doing a thing. He's doing a thing. He shows up for a couple of scenes. You're like, okay, cool. That's 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 a fun little aside. I also, mean, I will say, I will say, in the same vein, uh, in terms of like a bit part of which I think was a lot more effective. Um, John Lithgow. Yeah, he's great for like probably the best uh, Leo's best shot is you know towards the end where it's just the extended close up on him, sort of you know, you know. monologuing without getting into specifics while you know lithgow is just talking over him perfectly used 
Yeah, um, great. I would have watched. I would have watched more lawyer, well, uh, courtroom stuff. I thought that was well done. Yeah, you but know but again, it's towards the end, and like you said, I think when um, when Jesse Plemons shows up, I think the film had fallen into kind of a rut in the middle section. But I think that's it. It, it doesn't completely fix it like overnight per se, but it does start moving things. No, because at a certain point, you're just too aware of all the different things that are happening, and you're just not. It it starts to transcend empathizing with the with the uh, the victims and and their frustration yeah like we're and it starts to just get in death. well not even that it starts to move on from we want some resolution to these murders and more i would like some resolution to this movie i'm watching that too because because yeah up and it's it's starting to lean from somebody fucking do something this is upsetting yeah. to like and how many more times are we going to watch this before something else happens but you know what it does that i think is interesting is like Plemons shows up and essentially the FBI shows up, right? Yeah. And there is that one scene where they all meet in like the clearing to talk, like yeah. to have their first like staff meeting. And that one's pretty good because they're basically like, so they're all idiots and this is going to be like, how is no one solved this? Yeah. Like, okay, so we know exactly what happened. Like, that's the funny thing. They're just all like, we know exactly what happened. We just have to get someone to admit it and then we're good. Like, all right. Like, they're all doing that thing of like, okay, so everyone doesn't care. That's why this is happening. Yeah. And from then on, I think it really does hit home of just like, okay, we're going to start giving you your mild bit of catharsis. Yeah. But um, just to wrap up on the on the Brendan Fraser thing, I love the people who love the movie, praise Scorsese to the, to the heavens, but also hate that performance. Like, if you don't think that Brendan Fraser is doing exactly what Martin Scorsese asked him to do and is cut... Exactly the way Thelma Schoonmaker wanted to cut it. Like, no, I know. I, like, I've I've always hated that mentality of like, oh, a bad performance like snuck into the film without anybody noticing it. No, like, that Martin is Scorsese there, hired that him is, to be loud. <laughs> it is calibrated exactly the way it should be. And listen, Scorsese's not above kicking, like, cutting you out of a movie if it's not working. Like, yeah, sorry. From, from a context sorry, standpoint, you probably couldn't lose that character. But he, like, that performance, like that second scene, probably wouldn't happen, or probably would have been you different. Could, like, there's a million. Ways he could have fixed it if he wanted to, but it's there because yeah. that's the kind of performance he was directed to give. And he also wants you to hate that person. Yeah, well, and it's not even a matter of hate. You just he's he's big and he's loud and he's off putting and he's like surprising and he's shocking. Yeah. and I think well, he's that's another effect. He's another one of them. Is essentially what it yeah. is. And I think in a different in a suit. The the issue is that unlike say the sheriff or the doctors or the various other people around town, we don't get to spend enough time with him to get to see that sort of yeah, bo- yeah. both sides ism where like boy the doctors suck. Oh boy, they're the worst. Where but like they all get to do that sort of two faced thing, and De Niro's the best at this. Where like yeah, they're whereas... like nothing but love and admiration for them while stabbing in the back and picking oh, yeah. a pocket at the same time. And you don't have the scene that Plemons has with all of them where he goes to meet them once and they put on the show for him. But you yeah. can tell. And he plays right back to them while being like, they're lying through their fucking teeth. All right, great. There's another one who did it. Like, you can see he's just, like, checking it off as he, like, lets De Niro think he's being walked over. Yeah. Like, oh, sure, we'll do this another time. And he's like, you can tell. Like, that's the thing about Jesse Plemons and why he's so good in this is he's just, you can see with his eyes, he's like, yep, found the ringleader. I know exactly what's going on. Like, it, it, it's funny that no one praised him at it like can. I think it's a really good performance. It is. I think it's just a screen time thing. It's, uh, yeah. he's not well, in it more. a ton, and it's a very, it's it's a minimal performance. Like, it's not showy at all, which is some of his best performances are that way. And I think, yeah, I agree. He's really good. I think he's a very good sort of stabilizing agent that comes in when the film needs it most. 
You um, need one competent person, and he brings a whole like posse of competent people to be like, all right, we're gonna fuck him. And also, and that's, the biggest hat you've ever seen. My God. Yeah. It's like an artist. Love the hat. <laughs> um, what else do you have on the film before we get to the ending? We're not going to spoil it, but I want to talk about it because I also, I, I set you up for the ending when I saw it like a month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. In the weirdest way possible. So no, but it worked. finish your thoughts and then and then explain how I did it because I, I know you want to talk about the ending. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, I don't because I think people need to discover it. But we're um, not going to talk what exactly happens in the ending, but we're going to we're going to make reference to it. Also. You can watch the movie and know what happens at the end. It's historical record. It's how Scorsese chooses to. It's um, the framing that's that's yeah the interesting uh, aspect exactly. of it. Um, so yeah, I, I want to wrap up by talking about sort of the central trio. Um, yes, for me, because overall I really like this movie. I don't. I. I mean, I don't know if we're getting into rankings today, but um, it would make my Scorsese top ten. Do you want to um, do it next week? Just because we're running a little long. That's fine. But okay. um, but that said, I think it does have issues. And I think, you know, one of the things I love about Scorsese is that like, and people try and do this thing is like, oh, he's one of those where every frame he directs is it. No, he's like, he's he's a flawed filmmaker like everyone else, but he, he does such big and bold and ambitious movies. Like there's never any lack of ambition. There's never any lack of vision. There's always something going on. he's trying things still. He's always also. doing things. Exactly. So look at, look at Departed, right? The, the re- kind of like frantic editing in the first act. Like, yeah, yeah. If you've never seen a movie of his before, you'd be like, is this bad? Like, no, he's doing something different. Like you just have to like, that's the thing about when you become it, yeah. yeah when you've become a filmmaker of this note you've earned the right to say shut up and let me make my movie and when it's over tell me what you think as opposed to every 20 minutes be like well why didn't you do because i didn't want it yeah I don't exactly have to. so but and, and there are times that doesn't work but for here go on yeah no i just i think that there's a certain contingent of people who feel like they have to convince themselves that every frame is perfect and every like I, I wouldn't lose a second it's like it's okay like if not all of it is perfect it doesn't have to be perfect I think the the overall reach and scope and intention of the movie is really profound and really powerful and I think the scenes that are supposed to emotionally affect you do get there and I think you do feel sort of that combination of rage and frustration and helplessness that not only is this allowed to go on and go on past the point where any resolution really helps anybody um, and and the fact that this exact kind of thing happens near constantly in our history and continues to happen unfortunately um but I think if I were to sort of pinpoint the areas where I feel like the film is maybe not as effective, because for me, Lily Gladstone is the high point of the film. I think she's the best performance. Yes. She's absolutely phenomenal. She does so much acting with just her eyes and with just her presence and her body language. Especially when bedridden. Exactly. Right, well, exactly. Half. Considering she spends most of the film either wrapped in a blanket or like laid out in a bed, the things she's able to do with her body language are incredible. Um, so I think she's easily the most interesting character. And I think the first sort of a reverse Irishman, I think the first act where it's a lot of like her and Ernest and sort of laying the groundwork there and sort of her relationship with her family and, you know, seeing, you know, this slaughter start really kicking into gear from her perspective, I think is a really sort of when the film is at its most interesting. Yeah. And it, the film's at its least interesting in the middle where she unfortunately mostly gets sidelined. 
And yeah, because it's, it's the repetition again. Of it's like, the repetition. Okay, cool. It's the nature of the story and the nature of what would have been happening at the time. But you still wish more time had been spent on the stuff that she could like be present for. And they give I know they give her probably more agency than she necessarily has in the record. But at the yeah. same time, there's an element of just like this should be your main character. And I understand Leo has to be the main character. Or the film doesn't get financed. But yeah, it's still one of those things where. Uh, well, because I, you want to spend more time with the most interesting yeah. person. Because here's well, the there's thing. also well, like because there's also scenes with people like you were saying they were just not going to spend enough time with them. Like the guy, the the older guy who ends up doing one of the killings. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, exactly. We spent he doesn't so want to do it with him. My gosh. Yeah. You know, and like it's interesting. I liked I liked the perspective of one guy. I was like, I don't want to be involved in this. Like I don't care. Like again, he's not good. He's like I don't care what you're up to. Right. Or so, yeah. well, once or twice, people be like. You want to kill that guy? Like he's cool. Like the, but that's the extent of like their heroism. Is like, are you sure you want to kill that guy? Oh, you do. Well, all right. I guess heroism, that's going to happen. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't mind any of the broad ensemble stuff. I think for me, what I'm getting to is my issue is the Leo character, and I, I've heard well, praise of it being his best performance ever. I don't know that I'm. No. I'm there. I, I think it's good. I think he's very good in it. I think. No, he's, he's good. He's gotten to a point where he's very good at playing this kind of character and sort of he's good at playing the layers and sort of of guilt and complicity and of sort of somebody who's like too stupid to realize just how deep they already are. He um, plays a good idiot. I don't think he even realizes necessarily how good an idiot he plays. Yeah, no. So I think he's, he, as a performance, it's totally effective and works, but I, I mean, obviously you're never meant to like or sympathize necessarily with the character, but beyond that, I just, I don't find him especially compelling, like as a focal point. I just feel like he's the least, he is, he is a puppet and that's fine. And he's ideally placed from a narrative point to be kind of a perspective character, but I think he just gets so much of an inner look and so much time spent on him and how he feels about the relationship, even though he's like doing these horrible things to his wife and her family. And it's just like, you know, fuck this guy forever. I don't care about him. I don't want to see more of him necessarily. Like if it weren't DiCaprio, it would be a major problem as opposed to a minor problem. Like, and and, and a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is no, not at all. And I don't, I don't think there's a lot of time with him. Well, that's just it. And I think it goes back to the runtime because I don't mind using this guy as a perspective character. I think there is something valid in that. And I think something that works about the ending is Scorsese sort of openly acknowledging his own limitations in telling the story. And so I think it plays into that a little bit. Um, De Niro, on the other hand, fantastic. Some of his best work in years. Like Somebody woke him up. Well, especially playing opposite Leo, who can... You know, he can be a bit mannered in his performances sometimes. He can be a little Oh, he keeps him he really keeps him from doing it. Well, I I mean, I don't know. I think a well, lot Because he still dominates gets... him in some of the like it, but the way the character's written, he dominates him in these scenes. No, totally. But I, I think Leo still sneaks a lot of it in. But I I think it's more a case of um it has that feeling of De Niro sort of showing up to the Scorsese set to sort of show the kid how it's done. Yeah, we, we know like how to make this real movie. Real meaty, like, but not sh- like it's meaty without being showy. It's yeah. very like he is playing the part to the T and like 
every second he's on screen, you can like you can see the scheming, you can see sort of his thought process behind sort of you know the nicer words, and you know, well, he has and those, it goes as much that, for his fellow conspirators as to the yeah. people he's ad- taken advantage of. Well, he has that line in the first scene with DiCaprio where he's like, "Are you planning to make trouble?" And he's like, "I don't know, sir." No, no. Well, if you're gonna make trouble, make big trouble. Like he's he's laying it out even then, like. Oh, Don't yeah. just oh, be yeah. a dipshit. It's not five minutes like, before he's already like, so you like women, huh? You know, if you marry yeah. one of these women, you can get their money. Yeah, he's like immediately like, oh, my, my nephew's an idiot. So like, yeah. I'm just going to start like treating him like an idiot. Oh, wait, he's going along. All right, let's keep going. But you can definitely tell watching it. There was that thing that um, Scorsese said of, you know, DiCaprio likes the improv here and there. They didn't use most of it, but they let him because why not? Who knows? I think he said, like, there were times where he and De Niro would, like, look at each other and roll their eyes. Like, the, yeah. the fucking kid the fucking kid thinks he's making a better movie than I'm making. Um, I, went, I did a press conference with Scorsese where he talked about why he works with DiCaprio. And he said he, he saw something in Gangs of New York, right? And he's like, I like this guy. I would work with him again. Yeah. And also just, like, the things he likes. So he's like, oh, hey, Marty, did you hear this record? And it's a record he heard 40 years ago. But he's like, yeah, of course I did. Oh, you like that? All right, that's interesting. DiCaprio saying, I had the flu or he was sick or something. So I watched some old movies. He's like, have you ever seen Tokyo Story? And of course, he's like, yeah, I saw it like six times before I got it. He's like, oh, I watched it. And he's like talking about it. He's like, oh, this kid got it. Like watching it on a flat screen TV in bed. So you can tell that he's like, he's interested in things I'm interested in. So I'm willing to paint with him. And right. which I imagine, you know, in the same way with De Niro, but De Niro and him were of the same age. So they kind of came up as like, we think the same way. Let's keep working together. Totally. So I thought that was pretty interesting to see finally like the two of them in a Scorsese movie like kind of go at it. I think it was also fascinating that they didn't have them go at it, you know, in the way that like right, De Niro and Pacino, way. it was very much like, okay, DiCaprio, you're finally getting it. By the way, every single scene, with one exception, he's going to walk all over you. And you well, can do nothing very much so, it. yeah. And even, even the scene that's not that. You know, it, it, towards the end is this pretty is pretty is still like he makes his stand, for lack of a better word. And the rest of that scene is still De Niro. Like, well, I'll, I'll turn uh, immediately turns on him. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, it's yeah. And then and then, you know, it all builds to the I guess it's a time jump, right? Kind of. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, I really don't think we should get into the ending in any kind of detail, but um, no. I, I all I'll say is to add on to what you said the other week is I I'll agree that it's one of Scorsese's best endings. I think for me, especially because like even though the film had been repairing a lot of the momentum, I'd still there was still a bit of the residual. Uh, I did like as much as I overall. I mean, it's it's one of those movies where it's a heavy subject matter, so enjoy sure. always feels like the wrong word. But I yeah. you know I I think I. Overall, it was a very impressive picture, but I think that ending goes a real long way towards sort of solidifying it as like, okay, we nailed the landing, we have a mission statement, and we have something that sort of sets this telling of the story apart. And I think um, it sort of really hits at the head of why this story is the way it is and why this telling of the story is the way it is. In a way that's, like I said before, sort of acknowledges the shortcomings of who's doing the telling. Yes. You know what? Um, next week when we do um, the rankings, you can see mine on the side already, but Miles can have a week to do his uh, Scorsese, uh, De Niro, uh, DiCaprio. Top 10 if you want, if you don't want sure. to do a full um, Scorsese. I think next week we'll we'll put a little spoiler tag and talk about the ending because it'll, it'll hit its sort of like 
two weeks in wide release. People who have seen it will have seen it. Sure. And um, there are plenty of things already on the internet, web, uh, you know, articles and stuff. So it's not uncommon knowledge, but let's give it, I, I agree, let's give it another week before we actually say it. Because when you talk about it, you want to talk about it because it is so good Yeah, what he's doing. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Let's run through our um, Killers of Flammoon related stuff. Ryan McDermott, Film Hulk Face Off to Nero films. We'll go quickly with that and this will maybe help you figure out your list. Taxi Driver, The Deer Hunter. I still need to see The Deer Hunter. So maybe that's my homework after 31 maybe. days. Um, but I you really like Taxi Driver and he's obviously great in it. Agreed. Um, the King of Comedy or Brazil? I need to see King of Comedy. Um, I you, re- you really should watch The King of Comedy. I, it'll I make should. you hate That's... the Joker even more. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Brazil, he's, Brazil good. Is, he's yeah. good, but I don't think he's... Or, like, he's fine, but he's not what I remember about that film. No, no. Um, but I do like that film a lot, so I'll say that for lack okay. of alternative. Sure. Untouchables or Once Upon a Time in America? He's going very big in Untouchables. Very. Um, once about a time, I don't remember as well, but um, I'll, I'll, movie, I'll, Untouchables. Yeah, I'll go Untouchables. I remember it being fun overall. Yeah, uh, Taxi Driver for me, King of Comedy for me. They're two of my favorites. Untouchables, yeah, just for the entertainment value. Uh, Goodfellas or Heat? Um, I like Heat a lot, but I will go Goodfellas, and I think also he's just really good in it. Uh, two movies I like less than most people while still liking them. I just don't get the fuss, but Goodfellas for sure. I think I will. I think if they do make Heat 2, I'll revisit Heat because maybe I just, I don't know. It's one movie, of those movies where like it is a classic, but it's a classic that a lot of people, it just doesn't quite work for some reason. Like my dad, major film buff, loves both actors, but can't stand the film. Yeah, it did nothing for me. I thought it was fine. Best thing about Heat is when you rob a bank in one of the Grand Theft Auto games, and it's basically the scene from Heat. And you're like, all right, I'm in. Well, the best thing from uh, Heat is that it influenced like the entirety of The Dark Knight. That too. Uh, casino or Jackie Brown? Uh, probably Casino. It's reheated Goodfellas, but I'll still take that over... I, I, Jackie Brown is fine, but I'll, I've never understood the argument that it's actually Tarantino's most underrated thing or whatever. It's just, it is what it is, but it's okay. Agreed, though. I think I'll go Jackie Brown. I watched it on, it was on TV months ago, and and I, I liked it more than I remembered it. It's still lesser Tarantino to me, but it's it's calm Tarantino in a way he didn't do again until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure. And I think, I, I mean, he's more at ease with being calm now. Like, I think he was fighting that urge early yeah. on uh, and you see it with like uh well and you want to be shoot- young and angry yeah de niro shooting bridget fonda and stuff like that just like there's little bursts of tarantino in there yeah. uh, i do think he's good as like a like a idiot schlub in jackie brown though uh analyze this or meet the parents um i've i've always hated meet the parents even the even when it first came out i've always just thought that particular kind of ben stiller humor is just so grating um, hmm. so, so that's never been for me. Um, analyze this. I actually think is a fair bit of fun. I like the bit where he shoots the pillow. Yeah. Do you feel better? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he keeps calling it sausage all the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, it, it, like it's dumb and the sequel yeah, yeah. is awful, but I think, I no. think analyze this is a bit of fun. I, I actually do like meet the parents. My grandfather, and I really liked it. I think every sequel is unwatchably bad. Like, I don't know why they kept doing I know why it made money. And I don't usually like the Ben Stiller, like, cringe, like, bad things happen to me for 90 minutes humor. 
Like I end up just feeling bad, but I do like some of the set pieces in Meet the Parents. Like the, I, I will argue that the way they set up the, the urn thing is really good comedic setup. Like reading a, like a poem and, and, and all like the, the set, you can tell a mile away what's going to happen, but the way they set it up was, uh, I enjoy it. So he's, he's equal in both of those, but I kind of like Meet the Parents more. But it's not a, a strong, it's a fond memory more than anything else. Sure. Silver Linings Playbook or The Irishman? Um, I might go Silver Linings Playbook just because I think he's good in The Irishman, but I think it's a variation on what we've seen of him before, whereas I think Silver Linings, to me, feels distinct in his filmography. Again, yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a better movie also. I, I And agree. I think it's in my, it's my, like, it was my highest ranking, I think, non-Scorsese performance. Like, something about him playing, like, a well-meaning, but also fucked up dad. I don't know. Then that's the, his little monologue at the end is perfect. There was, he, a, there was something very vulnerable about it that doesn't feel as common in uh, De Niro yes. performances. Because also, I think in a in a different movie or a different actor, that monologue, you know, you got it when life reaches out. You know, the, the thing you saw in every trailer, right? Yeah. And his Oscar clip. It would have been a lot slower and it would have been almost like the music in the background. He races through it like he's embarrassed to be saying it. Yeah. And I think that was that was the best part because he starts out like, uh, you know, I don't know if your ex-wife really loved you or whatever. This girl does. And like, if it's a sin, if you don't reach back, he's like, this is not me. Right. He's 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 um, stepping up to the moment for his son. Right. And he's embarrassed almost to be doing it. He wants to go home and watch the Eagles. He doesn't want to be at that thing. Right. So, like, I think that was in terms of like individual scenes, that's up there for me with like, are you talking to me and some of his his real class could have been a contender, like some of the. The classics from from his uh, his filmography, just because he has a take. Sure. Uh, and then finally, Godfather Part Two or Raging Bull. Speaking of the, I uh, could have been a contender thing. Uh, Godfather Part Two, obviously incredible, iconic movie. That performance has always been kind of a weird one for me because it's so subtle and it's so reserved. It's yeah. like it's so easy the first time when you watch it to sort of miss what he's doing. Um, it is really good, but it's so subdued. It's kind of, yeah. it takes you off guard a little bit. Um, but Raging Bull, not subdued. N- not so. I think it's among his best performances and I, it's among my favorite Scorsese films. So it's gotta be that one for me. All right. Kayfley 208 is doing, uh, the same thing in a different realm. Film all face off performances in a Scorsese film. Lily Gladstone killers of flower moon or a Sharon Stone casino. Uh, Gladstone again she like she dominates the film even when she's not in it um, same Stone is good it's probably her best performance but it's yeah, just not just on don't the like same that level character. yeah exactly there's too many times you're just like you going back to James Woods like that's maybe the problem also you're like well. James Woods <laughs> uh, though it is so satisfying when he beats the shit out of James Woods like, well, that, unfortunately right. that's kind of a meta quality but yes I feel like De Niro would love that to do that now considering Half of his, like, every time he gets on stage to talk about something, he mostly just says, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah. Which, whatever, keep going. Uh, Jerry Lewis, the King of Comedy, you don't haven't seen yet, but you will have thoughts on. Ben Kingsley, Hugo. I love Ben Kingsley and Hugo. I, know. I think it's among his best late career performances. Um, yeah, I just... I'll go I, with you on that. Yeah, that's where I have to go. Jerry Lewis is good in King of Comedy. Which, by the way, not for nothing, next summer, the day the clown cried comes out. Oh wow! <laughs> it finally, finally is expired from its like time lock. It, we were, I was talking with someone about that. They're going to put it at a film festival, aren't they? Someone's going to put it. At, oh, like, totally. They have Tribeca to. Or can like 
we're gonna we're gonna have to cover the day the clown cried. Yeah, somebody <laughs> will get assigned to it. Oh yeah, I better get, can't guess who. Uh, Griffin Dunn, After Hours, or Nicolas Cage bringing out the dead. I uh, haven't seen After Hours, but I quite like bringing out the dead. Yeah, I think you'll like After Hours, movie that can't exist now. It's all about not having a cell phone. Sure. <laughs> like there's cell phones and ATMs. The movie's a short film now, but. Still, uh, Paul Newman, Color of Money, Willem Dafoe, Last Temptation of Christ. Um, I haven't seen Last Temptation. I've got a lot of these blind spots, clearly. Uh, but Paul Newman, Color of Money, I think is really good. Like, not just a gimme of an Oscar win, but like he's he does a good job of playing a, a very different version of the same character he yeah. played years ago. It's a template more like, not that this is that, but like like a sequel should follow. Yeah. <clears throat> like where you pick up with your character. Even if they're not the lead, he is the lead there. Co-lead, whatever you want to say. But yeah, no, if you're going to fill in some Scorsese blanks, it's not a bad thing to be doing. It's still Scorsese. Yeah. Juliette Lewis, Cape Fear, Cape Blanchett, Aviator. Uh, it's got to be Cape Blanchett. She's, yeah, it's iconic. She's having a she's having a blast with that role. Very much so. El- Ellen Burstyn, Alice Doesn't Live Her Anymore, Michelle Pfeiffer, The Age of Innocence. I haven't seen either. Yeah, uh, Burston. She won the Oscar for that. Uh, here's a tough one. These are the last three are hard. Leo and the Wolf of Wall Street or Daniel Day Lewis Gangs in New York. That is a tough one. I, I mean, definitely honorable mention Daniel Day Lewis because it's an incredible test run for Daniel Plainview and just a great performance in and of itself. Uh, yeah. But I think Leo's best work is in the Wolf of Wall Street. I think he crushes it. Agreed. Agreed. Though I will say, Daniel Day Lewis. Just as quotable in Gangs of New York. Very much so. Uh, and you can say more of his stuff in public. Uh, True. I was playing, I had a friend um, and his son, we were playing old Nintendo with Tech Mobile. And uh, I was I was just putting on the Daniel Day-Lewis uh, voice when I was playing them both and beating them. I took the father, I'll take the son. <laughs> so much. It was so great. Um, Joe Pesci, Goodfellas, Robert De Niro, Taxi Driver. Close, but I think I'll go Joe Pesci Goodfellas. It's just, it's it pops. It's such a popping performance. Yeah, I'll, I'll split to go De Niro and Taxi Driver, but it's damn close. So I think to catch me on the right day, De Niro and Taxi Driver might be the best performance of all time. Sure. Uh, Ray Liotta Goodfellas, De Niro Raging Bull. It's gotta be De Niro, right? Gotta be De Niro. Though I do love, I do love what Liotta's doing. Yeah, no, he's doing a thing, but he's doing it well. Um, Let's wrap up with uh, Samuel Lachlan at the Oscars. Is it better to have a longer lead performance nominated in supporting or a, su- a shorter supporting performance nominated in lead? Um, I guess you can look at that as Lily Gladstone going lead, not supporting. Sure. And it's also like, you know, the Anthony Hopkins thing and various other examples. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with a short performance in lead. I, I don't love a long performance in supporting. If it's like, I don't care about fraud in the same way some people do, but if it's just so clearly egregious, <clears throat> you wonder why. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's a better, but yeah, I think you think more <clears throat> about an Anthony Hopkins, right? Just dominating the screen enough that you're like, he's in and lead. And and you don't really think about, you know, like like if Rooney Mara won for supporting, I'd be fine with it. I think it's a good win. But you don't think about it in terms of like the the same like oomph that a, a short and lead gets. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. 
Yeah. And then lastly, Killers of Flower Moon is an Apple TV movie. Will it be released on DVD or Blu-ray? Well, Blu-ray. Has other Apple TV movies been uh, released on DVD or Blu-ray before? Um, <clears throat> first of all, they would call it an Apple original film. Thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. They're cognizant of that. And I don't know that Apple has... Well, Apple has a shorter history with things. I don't know that they've released anything quite yet. Well, Coda I would venture doesn't have a guess. physical release yet, so... Yes, I would venture a guess to say um, if Scorsese wants one, he will get one. And if not, <clears throat> he may not. Um, listen, uh, Irishman wasn't going to except for the fact that Netflix and Criterion have a relationship. Well, one wonders if it could potentially find its way to getting a Criterion release just because of the Scorsese of it all. Oh, 100%. That, that's completely up for up for grabs. I'm sure they don't care <clears throat> unless they are really married to it just being on the platform yeah i mean Coda I can't get a cri- they are yeah coda could get a criterion too which is not that type of movie criterion i think looks down their nose at a coda a little bit by comparison certainly yeah, yeah it's just not the thing they tend to go for so we'll yeah. see um let's wrap up it's went longer than we thought but it's good so um say where you can be followed <clears throat> dealer's choice um, what are you doing that's not uh, that anything horror themed that's not just watching the films, if you want? Uh, well, unfortunately, medically speaking, I don't have a lot of options there, but I'll come up with something. Yeah, healing. Uh, healing is horrific. I'm healing. Oh, um, yeah, my spine is fusing together again. Oh, I have to start physical therapy. Ooh. I mean, um, you say that like it won't be actually. I mean, so far it's okay. Yeah, yeah, they'll work you up to the points where you're like, ow, this hurts, why? Yeah, exactly, but not there yet. Yeah. Um, but you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at MilesOnFilm, that's M-Y-L-E-S on film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. Ooh, excuse me, and Chase Capo, respectively. That was horrifying. Um, sorry, Chase. Um, and what else are we doing? I don't know. We're going to pass out candy. We definitely got a few more, uh, horror films to see that I'm quite excited for. Um, we're just gonna, you know, we're, we're going to see how the season treats us. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm not the only thing I was going to say. The only thing I'm doing is candy. That's also uh, horror themed, but I will say, uh, also follow me, uh, Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, Blue Sky Threads, uh, or Radar on several things. I will say it's horrifically, um, it's a horrifically good show of restraint that I've had the Spider-Man game for almost a week and I've only played it twice. <laughs> there because you go. It, it's so good. Like, oh, there you go. Right um, off the bat. There you go. I'm completely different tonally. But um, for uh, Kelly's birthday yesterday, I got her the new uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Nice. And so we've been How playing a little bit of that. It's fun. It's weird. Nice. I, I, <laughs> I like I, I playing th- as an elephant. <laughs> I was thinking of getting it um, at some point just because for the Switch, I like having a, a fun, uh, like, plain game. Uh, but, yeah, no, Spider-Man, I will say it's a trip that I could uh, swing to my house. Well, yeah, I was about to say they expanded uh, the neighborhoods, right? Yeah, the so the where the Brooklyn Cyclones playing Coney Island is there, the Wonder Wheel and Astro Land and, like, all that's there. And there are buildings that look like the, my neighborhood. Wow. So, like, it's, you know, it's scrunched together, but it's, like, hypothetically i'm across the street in this game um i i look forward to exploring more i I did the like sort of prologue which by the way but you haven't played the other one yet have you i haven't played miles morales yet now but you played the first one yes okay so the first one builds up really well miles morales's opening 
is really great because it sets up why he would be the only Spider-Man for a little bit. Sure. Um, with the Rhino. And this one is so much better even. Like the opening, like using both of them, teaching you the new skills. I won't say anything more because you'll eventually play it except it's Sandman is the yeah, intro. Yeah, I, I have seen that. That looks pretty awesome. Oh, it's so fun. Um, and then they're just like, go go to town. And I'm very eager to see where it goes. And very eager for them to get to Wolverine next. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, I don't think it's the yeah. same studio, but... No, I think they're, I think they're, I think uh, it was Insomniac is working on Wolverine. I don't think so. Maybe, but maybe I, thought, I, mean, we'll, I know we'll, that it's both under PlayStation, but I thought it was a different, uh, could be developer. whatever. I know, I know these guys are going to probably do either another Miles Morales or, uh, they rumored maybe they'll do a Venom spinoff as like the, the game they sell you. That's really DLC. Eh. And then, and then they're going to get to Spider-Man three, which, the uh, like, I don't know what they could possibly do, but like. That's going to be crazy because they have to finish off the trilogy. They'll do something for sure. Well, I mean, with the amount of money it's made. Yeah. So we will see. Thank you guys for listening. Um, just like uh, Scorsese, we went long. And uh, next week we'll rack up, rack up, uh, we'll wrap up, not rack up. We'll wrap up spooky season. Um, however you want to tackle that. If you want to give out some horror awards or something like that. And we'll uh, get more into Killers of the Flower Moon and whatever else we've uh, we've done. I'll talk about Five Nights at Freddy's, I guess for lack of something else if you want uh, yeah i probably won't frankly so we'll see <laughs> in the meantime um let's see i don't want to say see you in hell again um go to hell everyone no it's the same thing have a great do? time in hell everybody there we go enjoy hell everyone say hi to your problematic grandparents oh dear <laughs> great grandparents is that better better there we go. Ooh. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.